February 13th, 2007. This is episode one of Potterfic Weekly. In the words of the immortal Frank Barone, holy crap! People don't know what day today is. They're not going to know why this is a big deal. Because Ryan is so excellent at explaining things to me the first time. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to tell you that PW is three years. Oh, woohoo! It's been three years since the first episode, and you guys have done like a hundred something episodes about everything, and it's so wonderful. And then whatever nice friend told me just what to say, if he written me a script, and instead he gives me a microphone and just stares at me and tells me to say something funny. Now, everyone on this line knows people over the age of 70, and how, like, it's their way, or the highway, and the damn kids, and their ideas, and, 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 the, and they will have fish on Thursdays, and they don't want to hear any, you know, <laughs> like, 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 everyone over the age of 70 is an old fart, you know what I mean? So tonight we go we get ready a podcast. You ready, Deathrill? Podcasting's on Thursday night. Gen two, you ready? Podcasting's on Thursday night, you silly little headmaster. Like it's like oh my god. <laughs> I feel like I'm eating fish on Wednesday is what I feel like right now. Alright, we are um we are having our my first married podcast. I just woke her up off. She was sleeping on the couch. I woke her up. I'm like, honey, you gotta go to bed because I have to podcast. She looks at me, does the frown face with her with her lip out. But podcasting's on Thursday. <laughs> okay, where is Mike? I have I a new mic. Mike. Well, it's not As working. Mike's we can't hear you. All day about his new mic. And oh it's God. Not Mike pulled a mic earlier today. Mike, I hope you can hear me right now because you pulled it yourself earlier today, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. <laughs> I can hear you. I know you. Okay, but we can't hear you, Mike. Um, what did you do? The t- Mike. Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes. Yay! 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 You sound like you're down the sewer. You sound like you're actually in a sewer pipe, Mike. Can you? Uh, do you have your little headset thing down by your mouth? I don't have a headset. It's, it's, it's uh, headphones, separate headphones, and standalone mic. Ah. Well, Why how far away are you from the standalone mic? About six inches. Let's move up to three inches and see how that sounds. Hello? Huh? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> this better? is you know? back. You sound great. Um, I think that's the best we're probably going to get. Um... <laughs> I, I mean, I still... Can you please? Can you put the mic in your mouth? <laughs> Mike, I want... hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> he actually did it. All right, I have to share this with you today. Mike is asking me what I thought of the fic. So I said to him, "Well, you know, there are parts which are, you know, very. It's it's like you ever read a Star Trek fan fiction written by someone who's twelve, and it opens with Captain the Warbird is decloaking and they're being shot at. You have no setup. You don't know because it it just jumps right to the. It to the, opens with Snape walks into the bathroom. <laughs> Snape needs to take a shit. That was unfortunate. But the second paragraph was Harry's been poisoned. No one remembers why, but we need his father." Damn it! But I was um, I was saying, well, you know, parts of it, you know, I thought were done well, and parts of it were very hokey. Now, he's like, now, what do you think of Snape? Does he seem like, now, what was, what did I, P.S., what did I always call Snape from a year like none other? 
I can't recall as it's been several years. But there was a Isn't it the Leave It to Beaver father? Yes, and his name was what? Ward Cleaver. Spell yeah, Ward for me. W-A-R-D. All right, Mike, what question did you ask me earlier today? I, I said he sounded like Lord Cleaver. He thought I was saying Lord Cleaver. <laughs> All that time. Lord <laughs> I'm picturing Ward Cleaver at the table with June with like a pike in his hand or something. <laughs> so like this has been Mike's one big purchase all year. And we're like, yeah, it doesn't work. I had a fun conversation today. I bought uh, Galactica the plan yesterday. Unfortunately, was not. Um, no spoilers. P.S. You know how the Cylons have a plan? Yeah. What do you think their plan was on day one? To kill everybody. All right. It's billed as, when you see the plan, it's the story from the Cylon perspective. And when you find out what the plan is, you will go back like the Sixth Sense and watch the entire series again and be shocked. The plan is they want to kill people. You just blew my mind. <laughs> if they were, do- they were doing that the whole freaking time. I know. Even you know. Because I probably knows. So um, I bought the plan, and I'm watching it. And there's a, there's a lot of nudity in the plan. Because they made if they they've made now two TV movies, and the DVD releases are usually much more graphic and all this stuff, and then they edit it when it goes on TV. So there's nudity in in the episode. And a friend of mine today was talking to me. He's like, "Well, I think I might buy it for my son because it's the only thing we share together. I'll buy him the plan because his birthday's coming up." And I, I for whatever reason I thought his son was like thirteen. So I'm like, just to warn you, there's a lot of nudity in in the plan, because that could be like an awkward father-son gift. And he's like, oh, don't worry, my son's 17. I'm pretty sure he knows what they look like. like Yeah, okay, thank God someone was here to to laugh at that one. See, I always thought when you would say Lord Cleaver, I was picturing (laughs) in my head that what you meant was that Snake was acting sort of like this right and proper British lord, like in his little manor house, like all like pronouncing his words with like fancy words, like correct table manners and that's, that's what i always thought you were referring to in a year like none other when you said lord cleaver i was talking about june cleaver's hubby <laughs> like mike doesn't know who that is he wears picture mr rogers well that's not this snape this snape is not a okay mr. Rogers. this snape is a bit of a jackass all right we have a lot to get through tonight in our first return puff hang on let me just see i have a message from keza Give me a oh, minute, my now. foot fell asleep. Okay, well, welcome. <laughs> That's welcome, fine now. <laughs> welcome back, Kay. Can I just say, Keza, do you have a new microphone? No. I don't know if it's you, because well, I think because I have my new and improved signal, you people sound fantastic. Hey, well, I'm awesome. right next door. Well, Except me, apparently. Well, yeah, I my sound mic awesome. sounds like he's... No, broadcast. you sound fine now. This sound, on this like, one. I am very excited about this. I think we should prank call Puffwamians and welcome them back. I'm really excited, new. too. Well, I know you, there, there was some discontent in the room when I said that some people misread the the, the thing. Do not blaspheme. Like P.S. was in tears. Tears. P.S. was in tears. I think everyone should read the schedule. Death and Jen. I think so. Well, Jen, I don't even think knows what the website is anymore. So, like, I've been trying to call Jen for a week. Jen, like, every group has one Jen's hours. Like, we never really know where Jen might be. I, I don't know. She made it to my wedding, and for that I am grateful. And we actually got pictures. Well, actually, the funny thing about my wedding was Leo of the band Melinda Leo got Jen drunk. Wow. Yeah. So Jen was drunk at my wedding because of Leo. Wow. That's funny See, I I because, like, the you never think about Leo because it's like 
Melinda Leo. So like Leo? you never think of Leo as being a separate person. I have said this before. Wait, and I will been say a it again. Leo? Leo is Melinda's husband. That's the really? name. Melinda Leo. Wow. I never realized that. Wow. Okay. Um, well, a lot of people thought it was like her sign or whatever. Leo is the funniest human being you will ever meet in your life. He is the person who is always smiling. He will always tell jokes, and he always laughs at his own jokes, but he has the most infectious laugh you've ever heard. So he'll say something, and then he'll get right in your face, and he'll start laughing, and you'll start laughing, and he'll laugh more because he thinks laughing people are funny, and it's just, it, you lose control. <laughs> they were the last people to leave my wedding. You know how usually it's like the friends drift off after a couple hours, and by the very end, you're stuck with all the cousins and grandma and everyone who can't make it to the parking lot on their own? It was Melinda and Leo <laughs> closed out my wedding. It was absolutely hysterical. I loved it. That's awesome. It was very good. All right, so I think we have everyone we're going to get tonight. Gen 2 can't come. Something about pumpkins. Death Roll hasn't read yet. Uh, Chi oh. doesn't. I'm looking down my Skype list. Chi doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> um, Speaking of pumpkins, I've got like 200 pumpkins in my bedroom right now. Mike will never change, and Keza sounds fantastic. All right, Mike, we're breaking to you live. What is in your bedroom? Watch, I exaggerated. It's about 150 pumpkins in my bedroom. What did you tell us originally? 200. Why did you lie? (laughs) It's not like you had eight. I was counting on those 50 pumpkins. There's extra 50. This is why we have budget deficits. Mike is the counter. Well, because... Uh, or this weekend we were doing this big Halloween program. We're having pumpkin carving and pumpkin painting for everyone in all the dorms. We're having haunted house. We're having hot cider, donuts, mystery boxes, all the cool Halloween sort of stuff that you have from your kidhood. But the pumpkin people refused, despite us spending $80 for them to deliver it, refused to deliver the pumpkins on the day of our program or the day before of the program. They insisted the only time they could bring these pumpkins was on Saturday. And there's nowhere to store them, so they all wound up in my place. You you work in a college, right? Not in yes. elementary school? <laughs> Correct, yes. I have to ask, in the entire campus, there's nowhere to put the pumpkins but your bedroom? Well, but it's not, it's not a campus program. It's a building. I'm only in charge of build, the buildings. Uh, and you don't so, have, like, a storage area, maybe, like, storage area B or something? You've got, no, all, all the storage areas. You doesn't even the POU house. That's true, too. There's the pumpkin room. I can't just, like, I can't just, like leave it in a room that's not locked, because then people will steal it all. 
that is a fair point because college kids do steal pumpkins. Um, I love how we <laughs> I, went, we skipped my wedding and we went directly to Mike and his pumpkins. Do you have a camera that you can like take a picture of the 150 pumpkins? Yeah, I demand evidence of well, the one. He doesn't have a camera because it took us five I, I years to get a, a photograph of him. You have a camera? My phone, but I just don't know how to transfer from the phone to the computer. Hmm. All right, after the podcast, take a picture, and your job tomorrow is send me the picture. Okay. Once, because I don't want you to send it to me 18 times, and I have to pay $55 for the picture of the pumpkins. Yes, Keza. Guess what? 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 I'm going to carve a pumpkin. Nice. I'm telling you. This is, yeah. Because, like, we recorded this Halloween podcast, right? And the whole time in the Halloween podcast, I'm going, I've never celebrated Halloween. My mother thinks Halloween is stupid, so we've never celebrated. Ooh. I've never dressed up Ooh. for Halloween. Ooh, I just and thought no- of something. I'm, I, I apologize for interrupting. I just thought of something. We are recording today's what? episode on our return from a very Puffwanian hiatus. Today is uh, is Wednesday, October 28th. It's not Thursday, October 29th. Everyone else is showing up on the 29th. We came here early to record this on the 28th. And <laughs> as we are now caught up and we're as close to recording these, you know, to the date that it's actually being released as we ever have, my fellow Puffwanians, Merry Christmas. Frickin' Valentine's Day. Continue. So, I spent an hour and a half, two hours, telling everyone how you have to teach them about Halloween, dissing pumpkin ice cream, and, you know, generally being ignorant about Halloween. And I've never been to a Halloween party. I've never dressed up for Halloween, blah, blah, blah. Three days later, I get an invitation to a Halloween costume party. <laughs> I'm like, what are the odds? And you were so, going dressed as what? <laughs> I I am going dressed as a witch. <laughs> I'm sorry, does Mike not have a mute button? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. No, no bless you or gesundheit. No, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Where is your meat, Captain? It's like, I'm But you made, you're making me use my broken mic. There is no longer a stand. <laughs> your other mic, you sounded like you were in the courtyard. Outside. The problem is, you, you, know, you know how you know how the stand-up mics have a, like, it's like a stand and the, the mic part sticks up out of it? Uh-huh. It broke, so I don't have a, it's just a wire now. You're holding it like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I have this, have it laid on the arm of my chair, and I'm talking at it. You're, like, laying down next to it. I love the fact I'm podcasting live from my no, no longer bachelor pad married apartment area, and Mike is just sitting around 150 pumpkins holding his microphone. <laughs> Hello? I'm going as a witch. I've got, like, a witchy hat, and I've got, like, witchy gloves, and I'm going to be a witch, and I have to find sheets because two of the kids want to be ghosts. And one of the kids is putting on an old orange and black dance costume and calling herself a pumpkin. I have to feel so, like we could do more than a witch. I have to feel like for your first <laughs> party... Kangaroo. Witch, no. Oh, yeah. oh, those kangaroo suits are so hot. No way. It's- Keza could go as, like, me or something. Would that work? <laughs> no, Mike. Keza should go as Mike and take pictures. I'll make you headmistress again. Oh, no, thank you. I'm just going to go as a witch. Yes, we That's have your to... threat. Well, we see how that turned out. We have to make this clear. <laughs> I've been gone for a few weeks on my honeymoon. Keza was in charge while I was gone. And I'm now I'm the guy who, as I'm driving, I'm checking Melinda's digests on my laptop or on my BlackBerry in the car. And then I'm home and I'm walking around with my laptop because someone might need me. I literally went with Danielle. We went to Ireland. We went to the UK. Brought nothing. 
I had no contact with the outside world. I had CNN, which all they wanted to talk about was Parliament. No contact with the outside world. Finally, on the last day, we're back in the hotel room. We're tired. We're just relaxing. I'm like, why don't we get the internet? You can get the internet on the TV, and we'll just check in with home and see. So we're not going to get you know hit with something bad at the airport in case you know something's happened or whatever. We got the balloon hoax too. That that was there. They, they were glued to the TVs. There's a whole for the balloon hoax. Yes, Mikey was a hoax. <laughs> the kid in the yeah, there was. balloon? There was no kid in the, yes. there. Was no, yeah, that was a, that was no. a hoax. Yeah. yeah, we got that here too. Yeah. So, oh, what the hell happened with you? A baby got run over by a train in Melbourne? What, what is going on? Yes. What, what yes. are you people what doing? Was this 29-year-old dentist, so you think she would have more brains? I don't know. I mean, I was 26 <laughs> when I had my first child and I worked at McDonald's and even I knew this piece of information. When you go on the train with your child... You park the pram so that the wheels are parallel to the train. That way the pram cannot roll off the platform. See, if you point the pram at the train, it will roll into the train because the platform's sloped down and there's a big fat yellow line, don't go over it. And you never ever, until the train stops and they open the doors and blow whistles and stuff, you keep the pram parallel to the train. This woman has never caught a train with her six-month-old son before. So I guess, you know, but even so, I mean, it's simple physics, people. And the train is pulling in, and she turned the pram around and took the brake off before the train had stopped and let go of it for some reason. And this can happen, but I'm like, the, the brake should be on until you're moving it, and you should have it parallel. And so I was, like, really frustrated that, that it was... Well, we done should tell wrong. the story. So that, so the, because I'm not sure if it, how much it got covered the here. The pram falls off the rolls off the platform onto the the train tracks in front of the train. As the and train the tra- is coming, the train goes over the pram, oh. and the baby is hit by the train. Oh and I'm just like watching the footage. It wasn't and okay. I mean, you know, the baby was fine. The baby got pushed fine. like. But I have to tell you this, Danielle and I, I'm in, I'm in England, no, I'm in, I'm in Ireland, I'm in Blarney, I'm at the Blarney Woolen Mills, and I'm in the little pub next to the Blarney Woolen Mills, I had um, shepherd's pie, it was, it was scrumptious, I remember this very clearly, and the TV is on in the corner, and the sound is off. So we're wa- and, and they're watching uh, Sky News because there's literally nothing to watch in Ireland, nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. And it it comes on the screen. It's the news, you know. And can I just say this here? Everyone knows on CNN there's that little you know bar on the bottom of the screen, and and you know you read it is news of the day. You know how they have like forty or fifty headlines that just flash along the yeah. bottom of the screen in England. And in Ireland, they have one headline, and it just keeps going across the bottom of the screen. They only have one. There's only one thing happening at a time. So, like, I'm reading the thing, you know, you know, br- you know, MPs to get their letters tomorrow in expense scandal. MPs to get their letters tomorrow in expense scandal. MPs. <laughs> and I'm reading it over and over and over and over. And I'm like, oh my god, the MPs. They have to. Their, their letters are coming in the morning. And then in the morning, I wake up to see what their letter said because now I have to know because I read. Yeah. So I'm I'm in the pub at the Barney Woolen Mills, and I'm looking over. And it says on the screen with the sound off, they're doing the headlines. And it says, wonderful news, miracle news. I'm like, this is what? And I have my hands over my heart. I'm like, this is going to be wonderful. And they show video of a child, a little baby getting run over by a train. <laughs> Nowhere did they mention on the screen, baby lives. <laughs> wonderful well, story. Was- and then they kept rerunning it. I'm like, 
I, was it the miracle? I could only watch it once. I could only watch it once because as much as I'm dissing this woman for being so stupid to turn the pram around and take the brake off because you just don't do that, this I could only watch once as the pram rolls in front of the train, the train hits it, and she just collapses, and I'm just like, oh, awful. But this um, 17-year-old high school kid jumps off the platform and crawls under the train to get to this kid, and it wasn't until they got like really close to him that they could hear him screaming because, I mean, who knows? But yeah. um, And the mother followed afterwards, and he they unstrapped him. But he'd been strapped in, and he was just a little bit bruised. He well, was, then I'm he watching was it, I'm like, well, obviously, if it's a miracle news, there mustn't have been a baby in the, in the thing. So <laughs> the story is woman has empty pram. Expensive empty pram gets hit by train. Woman <laughs> almost dives for expensive empty pram. Realizes she's about to get hit by the train and then like jumps back and the train came within a foot of hitting the woman. And I'm watching this yeah. and I'm like, there is nothing happening in the world today that they are broadcasting this live <laughs> from Australia. Woman almost hit my train, but not. Saving like, prep. Like saving nice. expensive prep. Like I'm watching this, I'm like, either the English are, or the, the English, because it's, 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 it's Sky News, either the British are just horrific bastards, and they're like, woohoo, they hit the kid, or it's the most boring story ever. And I'm watching this. No, it's like this fantastic. I couldn't even buy wool. I couldn't buy fantastic feel-good story because, you know, the youth of today are actually wonderful because he's such a hero for rescuing the kid and the poor kid's sitting there going, I'm not really a hero. Anybody would have done that. <laughs> so, so we're watching that and then um, there, we got that we got that story, we got the balloon hoax and um, somebody died in a boy band. Somebody died. Yes. Wasn't that an Irish dude though? It, it was an Irish dude. I can't remember Didn't his name. Didn't that make news? Uh, yeah, it, you would think that Michael Jackson died again, by the way, they were covering it over there. Now, the day I flew in, he died. The day we left, they had his funeral. And somewhere in the middle, Hillary Clinton arrived in Dublin. Now, she's big there. So everything was, you know, cornering off streets for Hillary Clinton. So, And then we went to, we saw Parliament, and then the day we left, environmental protesters scaled Parliament with big banners, and they were on the roof of Parliament for, like, a very long time, you know, and the, and the press was covering it, which I thought was very interesting, because if you tried to do that on the roof of, like, the Capitol building in Washington, they would nuke you. So that was something I learned about England, was that you can apparently, if you can get on top of Parliament, I have no idea how they got up there but if you can get up there they will let you stay there because they will say wow that must have been really hard we should let them stay for a while rest yeah they usually arrest you on the way down though like this guy did declined a building in sydney once and everyone's like oh wow look he's, so, he's up there and he's doing his protest or whatever and then he gets waiting down the bottom and the police are there like looking really apologetic with their handcuffs going well you have to come with us now because you're not allowed to scale buildings in the cbd it's actually an offense they, they, they don't <laughs> like that there so yeah, the in thing happens in Rochester with um, traffic lights. If you climb up, I, I noticed this when I went to this concert. <laughs> you didn't notice this the last time you were on top of a traffic light, you got arrested? <laughs> oh, no, no, last, last time I was at a big gathering where people were climbing on them, that they, they let you climb on it, but they just like kind of walk to the bottom of it, and when you come down off the traffic light, they arrest you. <laughs> well, that's like one time I was at a baseball game, and this 
guy was climbing the foul pole, and as soon as he got down, oh, the cops those people should get the key thrown away. There's nothing more annoying than people who like <laughs> climb into the middle of baseball stadiums. There was this, and you know what I really hate <sighs> when, when the people when, when Fox News shows them because what what are you doing if you show you're letting them? the terrorists win hey, well, well, I, I have a question for you Mike if you I show a picture of them climbing into the stadium then there's more people going to do it every time you show one two more idiots are going to do it okay I have a question is there such a thing over there as streaking in the middle yes. of games of yes. everything yes you do, well, in the middle of use. games, yeah. like yeah. you're in the middle, yeah. because you seem very passionate about the sanctity of a baseball. Is it a match or a game or whatever? Game. Very yeah. passionate about this. Um, it's usually football that people would streak. Yeah, games. well, Girl. see, we get streakers in everything: tennis, cricket, football, soccer. You name it, people streaking <laughs> it. And what it is? <laughs> very wildy bunch down there in Australia. <laughs> I can't, can't picture having tennis streakers. I'm sure there's been a streaker at the tennis. I'm pretty sure there is. Either way, definitely cricket and football. They have streakers. So and like it's it's part of the game. Like everyone stands around and laughs while the streaker runs and the police like jog after the streaker pretending to catch them for at least three minutes so they get enough footage to show later on, and then well, then you catch them and haul them away. But you got to give them their moment in the sun, you know. Well, here they do that, but <laughs> the policemen here are a little chubby, so it takes a while to. to well, no, at each station, there was a huge outrage over um, Fox. This guy jumped into the the fountain in center field in uh-huh. the Angels game, and they actually showed him a picture of yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I was so yeah. pissed that they showed that. Yeah, I. I it, but did they, I, they didn't fuzz him out. He wasn't naked. He was just jumped in with clothes on. But them uh, showing it means, the them the showing it means that if you see that they'll show that, then you'll be you'll know you exactly. get on TV. And you're sabotaging. Well, see, that's why people streak even at the tennis here. I guess it's you. You yeah. get on TV. You know. well, I don't know. It's destroying the sanctity of the game to have idiots and assholes <laughs> breaking up it's the flow of the can game. Can someone beep him out? Big fracking deal. It's part of the game, Mike. There's going to be at least one streaker per season. It's hey, part of the if game. If they want to do it in Australia, they want to do it. Yeah, in the same <laughs> argument the Bush administration had against gay marriage and you know protesting. I think it's funny. Hold on, I'm phoning a friend because I don't have an opinion on this. Mrs. Huggles is here. What is your opinion, Pumpkin, on when streaking at professional sports games? You're familiar. She's nodding her head in the affirmative, which is unfortunate because it's a podcast and no one can see that. Okay, when when people streak at professional sports games, what is your opinion on the press covering that, like in showing them on TV as they're streaking? She doesn't have an opinion, neither do I. Thank but you, there's Monica. a difference between a baseball game and some other sport. Like they can do it in cricket or soccer or whatever the hell they want. But but baseball <laughs> games, yeah. So it's just we, baseball. Well, you know, we have a tradition, and a, there's a sanctity to the game that that that. Garbage like that screws with. You have never been to an Australian baseball game, clearly. <laughs> Something Australia. That was very snotty, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> we played baseball here. Thank you very much. I just, they were I, in I the just think that Mike is a neoconservative now. I just think it's really <laughs> the way he argues that lets the terrorists win. You know what we should do? We should show videos of people licking. Um, like, you know, light poles when it's cold outside, and then all the idiots will go outside and do it, and they'll all get stuck to the poles, and then no one will be available to streak. 
social Darwinism. Yeah. All right, that's I think how we should do this. All right, we're covering uh, E.M. Snape's fic. Uh, it's called In Blood Only. And um, why don't we talk about that? Because I have a few comments on it. Now, Mike, this was your uh, pick for the podcast. You've had other picks for the podcast in the past. So it's my first I- pick. Well, you had others, but I think we've vetoed them all, haven't we? Oh, <laughs> like absolutely. We did meetings. a Peon cast. We never um, let you have a Peon cast. Yeah, but it's my first pick for the podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah you wanted to cover it. As memory you serves, you, you had picks in the past, and we all sat down, and we're like, I don't think we should cover this one, and we told you, and then, like, you showed up, like, you missed it, so you showed up still preparing. It was bad. Like Ron so, and Pansy. That all that? Yeah, Ron I never and read that. See, everyone vetoed that without ever actually reading it. No. I, I read it. it. Trust it me, cool. I read it. Right. Cool. Now, anyway. Mike, now, Mike, before we start here, your predictions for our reaction to this podcast or to this fic are what? Well, the big prediction, I, I'm, I'm waiting for next podcast, actually, in all honesty, because this podcast, I, I was curious what P.S. thought in particular. I'm curious about you guys, too, but I guess particularly P.S. for this one. Oh. But next podcast, th- that's the one where I think like Sue broke down and in tears when she read it and she just couldn't go on because it was so emotional for her. Did you really I, say that? She, 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 put, she put it down. Yeah, she, 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 she was... Wait, she was are a, you confusing Sue being moved by Sue crying because it was so terrible? No, no, no. She wasn't crying for it. It was terrible. <laughs> and she, was, she wasn't crying moved in, like, good tears. No, she Sue was, said she got into it. No, she got into it. Yeah, she, she got into it. But there was when I can we cry, get Sue on the phone right now? She's at a concert right now, but I have her cell number. Can we get Sue on the phone? I don't mean tears of happiness. I mean like tears of she was so upset, like like it, it like it touched her. Not like oh my god, this is so horrible tears, and not oh my god, this is so good tears. Just tears like oh my god, I can't believe this happened in the thick tears. And okay. and and, and, I, and I'm that much. And and I'm particularly looking forward to the next one to see you guys all how you bite into it. Particularly Ryan, because it's kind of like a Ryan sort of section. For this one, I was thinking of Keza a lot when I read the title. I know Keza's big on analyzing the meaning of titles. I never even thought about the meaning of this title until this podcast. And I'm like, what will Keza say about the title of the fic? And then I think you'd better have something or this is going to be the worst podcast ever. Um. (laughs) I love this. I've read this fic like 20 times. Yeah, I love this fic. And I will say that this is what I'll say too. I guess general before we dive into it, that yes, it does have a bit of an abrupt start, and I think there's a lot of people who, because it starts abrupt, they start off a little meh on it, and then as they start to get into it and it picks up, they start to get really into it. Because what I think the one thing I will say about E.M. Snape is I don't think she wanted to waste time at the start leading into the discovery. She wanted to start with the discovery of that. The discovery being that Snape's Harry's father. So she kind of hits you like that with a sledgehammer with no lead in. And then it goes from there and, and she builds from there. And the other thing I wanted to say just in general before I turn it over to Ryan to monologue a bit, that was something I really do like in this is I think all of the characters in this are very believable from a character perspective, considering when this was written. And that I find Snape's reaction to the news, Snape sort of as a character, very. that's why I was asking Ryan about Lord Cleaver, because I don't think, or whatever, Wald Beaver. Uh, <laughs> Wald Beaver? <laughs> well, whatever it is, because, because I'm hoping, I, I, I don't think Snape has any moments like that. I he find... definitely does not remind me of his lordship in this one. No. <laughs> Look, I find the Snape, I find the Dumbledore, I find the Lucius Mal, I find them very believable and in character in this fic. And I'll turn it over to Ryan. 
I just enjoy the part where Lucius Malfoy and Snape are, are having an in-depth discussion over the household budget. I give I could not picture that line again. That might be off. That she might be spends off. too much on corn. Like I cannot picture that one. those words coming out. Three thousand gallons for a locket. Dalliance. Yeah. I, like, I like the bit where it's like, Severus, you really must do something. Appalling condition of your furniture. Entirely too depressing. Malfoy had apparently escaped Azkaban to help Snape with his interior decorating. <laughs> so the thing I did enjoy about it, I definitely thought the beginning was very structured, you know, in a manner that was, you know, way too rushed and it, it, it didn't come across as well as it could have and it implied that the story was going to be very you know, haphazard and everything, but what I did enjoy in the beginning was the humor that E.M. Snape obviously put into the writing. Like, obviously, like, you know, it starts out with Snape needing to take a dump, <laughs> which is a great <laughs> way to start a fic. And he gets, he gets, um, obliviated by Gilderoy Lockhart, which you would not expect to happen. So you're in sentence two, and, and you have Gilderoy Lockhart, you know, beat Snape you know, at a quote-unquote duel here, because he got his wand out and shot Snape with Oblivion. And you wouldn't have expected that to happen, but when you think about it in the canon, it's possible, because he seems to be obliviating everybody else. So it's just one of those things that, you know, the first, it hits you right at the beginning, would that happen or not? And, you know, as the story moves through, a lot of humor does come out in the, in, in, in the writing. My favorite was when Snape and Harry or in Snape's office, and Snape refers to the fact that he is actually Harry's father as an unfortunate genetic relationship. <laughs> Which I think is the best way you could possibly put that. It makes it sound like a zit. <laughs> like, I gave you asthma. Like, I don't know what that is, but I just enjoy that. Like, you can't even call it, you know, me being your father. We have an unfortunate genetic relationship. Yeah, I think the humor, there, there are some funny moments in the fic. I'll give you that. What are your thoughts... I guess to jumpstart the conversation a bit. Once, once I guess Snape finds out, do you find his reaction believable? Do you like like going from that point that once we get to the point where okay, I accept this happens. Do, from there on, do you find his reactions believable? Mm, not really. How? Why not? I just. I think part of it is I don't like Snape, and I don't like being in his head. And in this fic, you're in Snape's head a lot, and I find that a very uncomfortable place to be. But not only that, I just... Aren't you supposed to find it uncomfortable, though? I mean, I'd be kind of worried if you found it comfortable being in Snape's head. Uh, I don't know. Aren't you supposed to connect with the point-of-view character and understand them and want to go on the journey with them? I find myself trying to claw my way out of the fic so I can get away from Snape's brain. So that's part of my problem with it. Because he's just so nasty. And, I mean, I know that's in character, so I'm not saying that it's not accurately character portrayed. It's just, like, I don't want to spend my time with Snape. But I also find, like, his reaction to Harry is based a lot on his father and um, and Harry himself being James Potter's father and you're arrogant like your father and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, why isn't he hit more with this knowledge that, that Harry is his son and I think he takes too long to start looking at him not as James Potter's son. He's still very nasty and mean to him and he and I'm just I'm like, um, why are you being so vicious still 
Like, I hate the fact that he's vicious to Harry and Cannon, and he's still vicious after he finds this information out. And I'm like, if I found out that some kid was mine, I'd, I would be, like, nicer to them. Well, see, I actually kind of like that he doesn't just turn around to be nicer to Harry, because... Yeah. Because the point is, there there is this history. If he just turned around and found out Harry was his son, and he's able to put aside five years of like sort of torturing. Oh, Harry. I'm not saying put aside everything. He's just really nasty to him. And like, oh well, hopefully you will look like a Snape. Ha ha ha! Sucked in. And I what the? That's stupid. I just. Well, there is there is a moment too in the thick where he says something insulting about uh, his father, and like Harry's looking at him like he's crazy, and he realizes, oh wait, uh, I'm Harry's father. I, I can't remember the exact. There's a moment like that where like he's like, hey, yes, your father's a Dalek. I'm a Dalek. I'm a Dalek. Yes. <laughs> Can I just tell you, I tell you, I start watching Doctor Tom and Tina watching me, and she's like, oh, Dalek, Dalek, Dalek. Am I the only one? Ryan's not sounding right too. have been reset and resynchronized. What I did was I moved everything on the table around and I, I slid the laptop back and forth and that seemed to have helped. Alright. <laughs> awesome, very technical. Yeah, so I, I yeah. get why he's nasty to him, but I just... I don't like it. I think that he would be a bit more... I think he should have more of an epiphany moment. Oh, this is my son. Let me look at him a bit oh, differently and spend more time exploring how Snape feels about it rather than just go, I hate this kid, well, I still me, hate this kid. Let me just say this here too, because one of the things when you start reviewing stories like we do and do it very often is everyone seems to always uh, find something to be critical about. If Snape is too nice, he's too nice. If he's if he's, if he's he's less nice, then he's too mean. There's always a you know an angle you can point on it. The last time we did a Snape fic was, to the best of my knowledge, you're like none other. And in that one you have Snape being an absolute hard-ass to Harry, and then within three chapters, he's wearing a dark green sweater, black pants, and he's spooning oh, Harry in the living room. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but what happened at that point was we're like, well, why did Snape, you know, turn so quickly, and why is he now an ally of Harry? Because he saw the cupboard, and, you know, because he saw Petunia die or whatever. You know what I mean? So they're... I'm sorry if you haven't read it yet, but Petunia... <laughs> So when you have this story, I mean, one of the things I, I know this pretty, you know, soon on, you know, regarding E.M. Snape's writing is that she's a, she's a better writer than the story would lead you to believe in the beginning. Because literally in, in the beginning of the story, you have Snape in the bathroom, then you have Harry having been poisoned and, you know, if only his father were here, we need blood from his father. And the Dursleys refused to give him blood, which I didn't buy into because they, they, they're jackasses to him but they, they did feed him and they did you know give him a place to stay they didn't boot him to the street on day you one want their so. blood, some sort of spell though I, I could see that freaking them out the idea of like their blood in a magical spell because Dumbledore wouldn't lie to them about what he's using it for no but they have gone to, to 
they have taken a lot. They've had you know their fireplace blown out on them. Marge exploded. You know they, he lost the business deal in, in Chamber. He fell off the roof in the movie. You know what I mean? I mean like they have ample opportunity to kick Harry to the curb, and I I wouldn't buy that they would. And I think Dudley die. would do it after Order of the It's just post Order of the Phoenix. Right. I think Dudley would do it. I think Dudley he would do it. Too. Yeah, and it didn't make sense. And then you know then the, you have a defense against the dark arts teacher. You know inadvertently get Eden in front of the entire student body, so now they need the replacement, which will be... Re- like, the story, it, it just seemed like it was literally, it was too rushed, and there was no... Who poisoned Harry? Does anybody know who poisoned and Harry? And why? And he doesn't even remember getting... Bo- He's like, oh no, I had the stomach flow for a few days. You were poisoned, you jackass! So... Like, me up, right? Yeah, it's like I'm reading. I'm like, oh, they, oh my god! If only his father were here. And Dumbledore's like, oh shit, Snape, we gotta talk. You know, so it, it just it, the story itself, you know, didn't flow well into the early chapters, which leads you to believe that the author, you know, doesn't know what they're doing and can't pace the story and whatnot. But once you get into it, I think that the 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 writing on Snape's part is true to the character. Now, I agree with what Keza just said. I think it's it's, it's how Snape would probably react, which I'll disagree with Keza. I think it was, it was the right way for the character mm-hmm. to react. I think that is probably how Harry would react in this situation, which I think is a ludicrous situation, but I think Harry would react this way if, if, if this were actually yeah. happening. The issue I become- didn't like the way he told him, though. He's just like, like yeah. Your mother and I had sex, and I'm your father. See you later. Like, I just said, like, even well, he, he was because he wasn't telling Harry to inform Harry. He was telling Harry to piss off Dumbledore. Yeah, I realise that, but I still think it was stupid. I think Snape is a more intelligent man than that. You don't just dump that on a 16-year-old child. If you care about the 16-year-old child, you don't dump it on the 16-year-old child. But he doesn't care about Harry. Harry being upset or torn apart would be just the bonus to Snape at this point. I'm not talking about being upset or being torn apart. I'm talking about the fact that you just don't wander in. Let me go pull it up again. And What was it he said? What what chapter is it in? Uh, It's in the first couple, right? Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be two probably or three maybe. If Harry's yeah, um, we may speak freely here. I will speak. Blah blah blah. You will remain quiet and listen. Fine, get on with it. It's not, it's really abrupt. Potter, I had sex with your mother sixteen years ago. You are the product of our union. In rudimentary language, you are my son. I'm like, what? <laughs> you are the product of our union. It is an unfortunate genetic relationship. He sounds like he's like an alien. Like, yes, exactly. But I think that's purposeful. I think that's purposeful. I know, but I think even Snape has more intelligence than to say it like that. Well, it's not a matter of intelligence. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what Harry thinks. He doesn't care how Harry reacts. He's trying to be hurtful with it. I actually didn't have a problem with that because I don't think this is anything... It's not like Snape is like, oh my god, I have to make a good impression and he plasters his hair down and he puts on his best suit. You know what I mean? He's not like Hagrid with the Harry suit. But this I think is, he would think about... I think he he would need more time to process that this kid he hates is his son. That yeah. was one of the things I saw. Because, in- I mean, Harry... That's what I'm talking about. Isn't, I mean, time. he's not James's son because, A, he's not genetically James's son, and B, he wasn't raised by James. So, like, what is Snape hating in Harry? Is he hating himself? That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That is he's addressed. Hated- I will yeah. say, this is what I'll say, I, I, that is addressed. All, the concern about him having an I epiphany... Think it should be addressed before chapter 14 in the fic. I wanted to see that at this point. 
I wanted to see Snape's thoughts at this point. Like I said, I didn't like being in Snape's head. I wanted to claw my way out of it because he wasn't giving me what I wanted, which was thoughts like P.S. just said because she said it like heaps better than me. But you see, but where I disagree with you is not that you have to like being in Snape's head because he's it's a pretty nasty head, I grant you. But uh, but I, I, I honestly feel it's re- his early reaction is realistic because he's not... He, I mean, yes, he finds out Harry's his son, and intellectually he knows it, but I think it's pretty clear it hasn't sunk in on a deeper level, even to the fact that when he's not making a conscious effort, he's still calling Harry Potter. He's still talking about Harry's father throughout these first chapters. When he insults Harry, he constantly brings up his father. But really, he means James, not Harry's. So it hasn't sunk into Snape on a deeper level Yeah, yet. I know that. And I wanted, I wanted him to think about it more before... Yeah. We got into the rest of the story. I can't believe this, but I'm actually on Mike's side right here. And Mike, I can't recall a time <laughs> this has happened so early on a podcast before, especially with that whole Ward Cleaver thing earlier. I feel like I'm setting myself up for a fall. But I guess the thing, when I read it, the one thing that did jump out at me was that he kept referring to Harry as Potter. And you would think that he would use this as an, as an example or a, or a way that he could take something else away from James so that he would consciously call Harry something yeah. different. Well, then my reaction was... But he does call him Harry a lot. Yeah, but he's not going to call him Harry exclusively because Harry is what his friends call him and people who are close to him call him. And he's not going to call him Mr. Snape because that would get confusing for both the reader and that would just be retarded. And I do enjoy the fact, by the way, where Harry refers to himself as Harry Snape. And he's like, never, ever, 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 ever do that again. If you do that again, cut off your own testicles, okay? Yes! Cut off your leg. Whenever I hear that happen, it always sounds like like the name of the ship. Like I think Harry is suddenly talking about the Harry Snape ship. Like, it doesn't sound like it could be someone's name. Uh, someone walks into the house. Harry, Jenny. I'm like, oh, I love that ship. But uh... that happens to me with anything with Snape because Snape is always referred to as Snape. Like especially like in Snape Hermione, where she like marries him and becomes Hermione Snape. Like that's, yeah. that is. It's, I don't process that. Well, thank God it doesn't work the other way around, because that would just be you know, kind of weird. Never a stranger. <laughs> exactly. But the, well, I was about to say, you know, Snape Hermione, but that would be that would never happen. <laughs> but the thing I was going to say was, when you look at it, Her- Snape is going to be unconsciously avoiding a lot of that. So the fact that he doesn't consciously think about it never jumped out at me as being a problem in the story. The way I read it was that he never has treated Harry like a person. In the canon or in any good fic, he doesn't treat Harry like a person. So you have, for 16 years, he hates Harry because he looks like James Potter. And James Potter was the kid who nearly killed him, and Dumbledore let him off with a light warning, and Sirius Black was the same, and then when Sirius Black actually did kill someone, as far as Snape knew, then you know Dumbledore finally had to admit it. You know, Snape is the one who, in this storyline, went to Azkaban for three months, and he's convinced if he were a Gryffindor, he never would have gone. So this is a Snape who has, you know, some some um, issues that they could definitely. I'm sorry, someone just moved right above me. Um, this is a Snape who definitely has a point, and he definitely has things that he has insecurities about. So I definitely buy into that. I can see why the moment that he finds out that Harry is actually his son. It doesn't click in his head, okay, now what does that mean with my relationship to James? And while that is addressed to some degree, his big thing now becomes, why the hell didn't anybody tell me? And it comes out that Dumbledore didn't trust him with Harry and didn't believe he could possibly raise a child, and Lily thought the same thing, and everyone doubted him yet again. So 
I bought the fact that he jumped immediately from hating James to hating Dumbledore because that would make sense. And when you're when you're reading it from Snape's perspective the first time, you don't know that Snape is going to be that cruel. So, of course, my first reaction was to get pissy with Dumbledore for doing that because it's something a Dumbledore would probably do and it's something that he has no right to do. And then when you see where the prick Snape is in this story, you're glad he did it and you can kind of see it from both sides. Should Is Snape the father? Yes. In the story, he is. I think it's a ridiculous plot point, but in the story, he is. <laughs> and But... Mm. You know, what do you do in that case? Like, morally, you tell him he's the father and you bring him to court. <laughs> you, like, you know, make it so he can't possibly raise the kid. But, I mean, I did buy into that. And I do like how it, it, Snape is pissed at Dumbledore and he's pissed at Lily. He's p- pissed with everyone. But Harry's not a person. Yeah, it's like, well, because well, in this one, James is apparently, you know, like, I don't know. But, you know, it's... It, A slandering bastard. Well, keep in mind you're hearing that from Snake's perspective. I think you'll see a little bit different of a viewpoint later on. Like keep in mind when you hear when you hear everything you take everything you hear Snape say about James and Lily with a grain of salt because this is Snape. Okay. Was that the but first Lily. one you thought that like you know we can be mad at James, but Lily also did sleep with someone else too? I so. am pissed at Lily. Lily, oh just, yeah, that is such me. a stunning bitch. And <laughs> I've had a I've had I've had a fight with James, and I'm going to come and seduce you now. And she, I'm just like, this is not how rational, mature people deal with their problems. Oh, I th- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I cut I just... out for a second. I thought she was saying that's not how Russians deal with. That's what I thought you said too. Rational, rational, rational. The only way that I can be happy with Lily Potter in this story is if she was under some sort of evil spell that made okay. her go on sex with Snape. I knew Lily would... That was one of the things I knew because it was going to bring up, actually, so I had some stuff on my notes to, to mention. This is just not the way that people deal with their issues. I think it's a stupid, stupid, stupid way to introduce Harry is... It, it's bothered me because, I mean, I don't get that that's the impression of Lily that I got from... The little bitty it's we saw of her, but I, well, I don't it, think it, it is. I think it's like the storyline where you want to get Harry together with Hermione, and the reason that works out so well is that Ron's a jackass and Ginny's a whore. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think there's more to it too. The what material had, disturbed me the way it was presented. What yeah, I, I didn't like the the way the encounter was written. I'll say oh, two two things about Lily, or three things about Lily. One is make it four. As <laughs> make it four, maybe five. Uh, as with everything about the Marauders and Lily, one, I think you have to take it with a grain of salt because this is Snape in a biased position. He's, you know, he's upset because Lily slept with him and then didn't stay with him. And so that's, you know, keep that's that in not, mind. It's not got to do with Snape's point of view, Wait, though. I'm not talking about his point right, of view. I'm talking uh, about what uh, she says to him. What she says to him is rubbish. But, but I'm not quite... Two other things. What did one she say to him? I can't remember. What did she say to him? Um, I have it in my notes She's talking, she says, she just, see, the thing is, it doesn't make sense, like, why did she come to him? Like, I need more background to understand why Lily 
would come and randomly have sex with Snape. Like, I could see if she, like, exactly. went and randomly had sex with, I don't know, Peter, because she, you know, knows Peter and likes Peter. Well, no, but I Snape was, is not her friend. I have a confession here. I have a confession here. I never finished Psychic Serpent from our last reread, so I was reading that as I was reading this, and they had actually had a relationship in their last fic, so I was just kind of channeling that. Like, see, oh, yeah, see, She's all crying. She informed Snivellus she was in love with Potter, so he shouldn't read anything into this. She just couldn't believe her darling James. They were barely out of Hogwarts, and he was already interested in another woman. Was there something wrong with her that she couldn't hold James' impulse? Um, sorry, James' interest. Um, and so then they, you know, do it. And I'm just like, What? Like, she well, comes all crying, all upset. James is interested in someone else. Her first reaction is to go crying to Snape and say, you, you must do me now because James is cheating on me and I'm not in love with you. I'm still in love with him, but I'm going to do you anyway. What is that? All right, Kevin, so tell us the point that you really felt it wasn't believable with with Snape and with Lily and their... Trist. What was the part of, of their encounter that you found most unbelievable? That she turns up on his doorstep mm-hmm. with yeah. wilted green eyes, which makes this wilted. Um, See, I imagine nose, she's got like like cellar. nose running. That's not nostrils. the part. That's not the part. That's not the part. That's not the part that you found most unbelievable. Keep going. Why? What? what? What happened next? So she shows up with the wilted eyes. And she says she's in love with Potter. He shouldn't read anything into this. And then she talks about James this whole time. You know, he's gone off with someone else. And then she, like, jumps him. <laughs> she presses herself into him uh-huh. and rubs on We're getting and... We're getting warmer, no pun intended. <laughs> and we're then... getting closer to the part. <laughs> the light bulb goes on. It's his first, it was his first time with a woman because he's so unattractive. He's a very unattractive man. And um, 13 minutes. He lasted 13 minutes. Lasted 13 minutes. I'm sorry. I, mean- <laughs> I hung in there as long as I could. The 13, the only way I can, okay, I, several things I do in my head here. They had a relationship in the past. They are the same people from Psychic Serpent. They, they have they've had a thing in the past. That's why she went to him, okay? Now, it was Lily's birthday, okay? So James went out with Lily's girlfriend to plan her surprise party, okay? And Lily went into the village because she was doing her grocery shopping, you know, for James, because, you know, she likes to cook dinner at the little cottage. And she saw James with her girlfriend, you know, walking around the village and planning her surprise party. And at that point, she says, oh, my God, you're cheating on me with that bitch. And she was freaking out because the, the olives... You know, the, the guy at the grocery store didn't put the olives in the bag, so she's pissed about the olives, and, and she's hormonal, and, and she's and she's very upset. So she decides she's going to go and sleep with Snape. And then the next day, she figures out that it was all a mistake. And yeah. she feels awful. And, and, the 13 minutes counts from the moment she arrived at the door, from the moment he opened the door, all through the complaining about James... To the beginning of the sex, all the way through, the entire thing had to last for thirteen minutes. That's how I read yeah. it. Too, That's how I had to read it because there's no other way he lasted for thirteen minutes. That's how I read it for the thirteen minutes. Too. But here's what I want to say about Lily. Or you go too often. Mm. There are two things. Right. Partially, I honestly, 
I have not talked to Ian Snape, but my honest thinking is in part this is a reaction to a lot of how Lily is portrayed in fandom at this time this was written, which is that even though we know absolutely nothing about Lily, she's portrayed sort of as like almost this saintly character in a lot of the fics that are coming out at this time. So partially, I think, this is just my theory, that E.M. Snape purposely wrote the Lily in this to say that, no, she's not this perfect, almost, you know, like, virginal... You know what? She could go shoplifting I'm not a perfect saint, and I don't randomly have sex with weird dude from high school. Exactly. Now I didn't need to know that, so now... (laughs) Now I'm crushed, yes. Uh, So that's my first point, is I think, first off, the... Part of that idea stems from um, a desire, which I think was pretty common in this subset, in the sort of the Slytherin subset of fandom, to show Lily as not being perfect, I think. And then also the show, so many in this subset of fandoms, so many of the genres of Snape is Harry's father, Snape is, the, you know, Snape and Lily fix, which there's a lot of coming out at this time because of the uh, the scene in book five, the book five pensive. So many of them are sort of like these, like, they're deep love, that they really had deep feelings. And so, I, again, I think this is purpose, she purposely wanted, in terms of why they have sex, to make a contradiction to the sort of, the, what was at the time, the cliche idea of them having being, like, secretly in love instead of... Um, Snape and James Potter, which was the norm in this genre at the time. That's the first thing I wanted, the big point I had. And uh, the second smaller point I had was just what Ryan kind of said, that I think 13 minutes applies to the whole the whole uh, trip oh, there. Oh, dude, it has to. It has to. There's, yeah. no, there's absolutely well, no I think I don't, see, I don't mind, like, Snape Lily in general. I mind it when it's this gross. I mean, this um, weird supposed to i think you're supposed to read it and be weirded out and feel like dirty reading I feel it I think, weirded so, out. hold on ps do you feel dirty i i i, I feel dirty oh god did you have to say it in that voice now we're gonna have to have it <laughs> is this going i to don't be- know why why would you want to see because i feeling like i feel gross in snape's brain i'm weirded out by the snape lily thing and how she's all this kind of stuff and the only thing that I'm getting is you're supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to feel that way. I'm like, if you make me feel that way at the start of the story, why would I want to keep reading the story? I'm just every story obsessed supposed by to the be. question of why Snape. Why on earth? Because, well, she's, because, the because she's the worst person she could that's, find. That's it's revenge sex. Okay, that's the easiest part of it. Because, like, the only I don't know why I'm even thinking this, but if you think of, like, Gilmore Girls, you have Dean and you have Jess. Dean, by the way, if you've watched Gilmore Girls, is the single most annoying person on the face of the planet. Like, literally, he comes on the TV, and I have to go watch C-SPAN for half an hour just to cleanse myself. But he is, he is you know, the good guy. You know, he, he's the, the, the boy every mom wants you to bring home until he sleeps with you in the, in the sixth season finale, whatever the hell it is. Then it's bad because he's married. But, you know, you have the de- the good guy, the James Potter guy, and then you've got the, the weird guy you used to date in high school. And, you know... Y- you want the bad boy, then you want the good boy, then you want the bad boy. I, I've heard so many fics where Snape and Lily have had some type of, of of love affair at one point that I was actually okay with that because it just occurs to me that they probably dated in high school. So that part I was actually okay with. The part that makes it difficult for the read is that I'm like like I said back with a year like none other. With a year like none other, Aspen started the story where the last one took off, and she 
brought everyone over to her new plot points. So she explained how Harry and Draco formed a friendship, and she explained why Snape adopts Harry and adopts Draco, and she and she walked everything over. You could say he's like Lord Cleaver, or you could say you know he's he's too much of a jacket. But you you can art you can you have to at least say that she tried. Whereas in this story, it just kind of explodes on the page, and you have to try and guess why everyone's over here. I'm okay with the fact that maybe James and Lily are not the wonderful people that we thought they were. And maybe they made awful mistakes and they had a terrible marriage and maybe someone else was Harry's. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that as a plot point if that's the story you want to write. But to do that, you have to now accept that as your premise and you have to acknowledge that. So for that to work, I need to see in future chapters Harry wonder why he like for example if this were a story where now harry was even though like keza said james never raised him and you know he he doesn't remember james but he's always been james father's son and he's always had that connection to his dad and to the marauders if you have it where even though harry isn't biologically related to james but he still is james father's son and nothing will ever change that even if he never met him because james meant something to him all his life and that and he'll always be my dad even if not by blood or whatever and if that's a a point that harry clings to and then as the story goes on he finds that james wasn't the person he thought he was and now doesn't know who his father is and you find out that snape had all these awful experiences in his own life and he realizes that he was wrong on some level and he and harry perform a bond or whatever i mean if you want to tell that story that's fine, but you have to do that, and you have that's to yeah. pretty much what the story becomes. Yeah, I mean that good prediction. Well, good, good. I mean, but you yeah, have but to, it didn't set to... that up. So oh, why it, would I want no, to read it to get to that point? Listen, no, I, I think idea. you start off with Harry trying to rationalize. I think Harry's bit where he's go yes, where he, his first thought is Snake raped his mother. I thought that was very telling. That that's like the immediate conclusion he jumps to. Yeah. I think that fits into with Ryan's thing is that he's not he's not abandoning he still thinks I think Harry also still thinks of himself as a Potter he's clearly resistant he does he doesn't want the stupid glamour lifted he doesn't want you know he, he's trying to rationalize that Snape is the bad guy it's not James Potter it's not Lily Potter it's Snape who forces himself on my mother it's you know I think there is definitely that theme in this story and also I think you'll see later on but I think think. Uh, how can I say this? Think about Remus, and I, I think Remus, his role in this story is meant in a lot of ways to be the stand-in for the James Potter sort of perspective and reaction later on, in some ways. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like how James would react if he was there. Or, or No, no, more like... Um, I think that issues addressed through Remus in the story, like James Potter, the true story. Here's what really happened, like the one yeah, or more like you know, like how do I reconcile James' role in my life with the reality that Snape's my father? Well, you know, I think the, like, you have to do. Yeah, I mean, you have to do that. Like this yeah. is fan fiction, so you can tell stories that are different. If you want to tell the story that James and Lily were very fallible people, I think that's actually a fascinating story because the story of the series is that Dumbledore isn't the guy you thought he was, and he's not the you know the white the wise wizard with the, with the long white beard. He is an old man who made a lot of screw ups, and by the time you're older, you recognize that you know presidents aren't these you know you know very omnipotent people they're human beings who make mistakes and so is your father and so is your parents and harry 
from the time he was 11, grew up to think that his parents were these perfect people who saved the world and saved him and made and and you never hear a bad thing about them. So until Order of the Phoenix, so now you have Harry last year find out that his father was a creep, you know, when he was 15, which every guy was, and now this year he finds out that his father wasn't even his father. And I think the problem I'm having with the story so far, and I'm hopeful from what Mike's telling me that'll be addressed, is that Harry so far hasn't. I don't care how he deals with Snape. He has to deal with James. What is what is James being to him now? And yeah. you have you have a couple of comments in there about how well you like. He even makes the comment, you know, when he, when he makes the testicle joke that James wasn't my real father. Well, is he? Like, what defines a real father? I think the, I think this is just my theory. You can tell me later on whether you agree I'm right. I think the stages um, that Harry goes through is that the way AEM approaches it is that first he has to accept that Snape is his father, and once he comes to that acceptance, then he has to deal with the fact that James isn't his father. And I think that that's that that's the order she approaches it as, as opposed to the other way around, recognizing James isn't my father, then recognizing Snape is my father. So I think at the point of the book, he's still in. Like, if you asked him, without him giving him time to think about his answer, he'd still naturally respond that uh, James is his father. Like, sort of like, you know, like if Ron surprised him. If he had been raised by James, let's say, and James was still alive, then he would consider James's father, and James is the only father he's ever had, not having had Snape raise him, and having had James's friends be the only father figures that he ever knew. James is an idea to Harry. James isn't a person. James is, a, is an idea. You know, he's the person that I came from, but he's not But he, I mean, he's got his Patronus. Is, right. I would be sad to see him lose that kind of thing. Well, let, let me look at it from my perspective here. Like, I'm, I'm almost 30 years old, and my father passed away several years ago. So I, I had him for 23, 24 years. So he's always my dad. He will be until the day I die. That, like, I will always have memories of my father, and when he taught me, he will always be my father. If my mother ever remarries, that's wonderful. My father will always have been my father, and that's it. If I were to find out tomorrow that, you know, uh, he, he wasn't really your father, this guy was he would always still be my dad and I'm too old to need a new dad. So I like, I would, you know, even if I wasn't that it wouldn't matter to me, but there is then that interest, you know, who was the person that, you know, who oh, I'm not, I'm not, but no, but, the, I mean, but it becomes like the road that want to find out who their biological right, parents it's, it's are. Thing, but it's also the, it's the road not traveled too. What if I were raised by Snape that, that injects, I came from Snape. I have Snape, half of Snape's genetic code. I am a Snape. I am not a pa- so there. It, it's it's not so much what you've lost in James. It's now what have you gained? What does it mean that you're family to Snape? You can never, you know, what I mean, like you can never leave him behind at Christmas. Now he's your dad. What does that mean to you? So I think at this point in the story, Harry's still pretty much denying that Snape is his father, and he's still not acknowledging the fact that James. Now, you know, he's lost more of James. You know, he never had James in his life. I mean, that's That's one of the things I don't like about Harry is, um, well, Snape is Harry's actual father. See, a year like none other, I found 
believable in the sense that it showed the progression of their relationship as Harry became his adopted son. Because that happens sometimes. You lose a parent, you, you gain a new parent through remarriage or, or whatever. And that's an interesting thing, I think, to look at, how, how you reconcile that. But this, you've got this 16-year-old who's never had his father... And it's been ripped away from him completely. He's left because he never had James to raise him. So he was relying on only a memory. And then that's ripped away as well. And I just think that that's incredibly a cruel thing to do to this poor little character. To it just is. completely destroy him. And I just hate it. When, I think it's recognizing the real just... cool thing. That's why Dumbledore is so upset to this whole thing. Because he, re- you know, I think all the characters besides Snape recognize what it's a, what a cruel thing it is to do. And I think. Like, do we need recognize... to do this? That's well, the problem I have with Snape is to. Harry's father fix. We oh, don't do you... need to do this. There's so many other ways we can look at the character of Harry Potter. We don't need to take away his father. Well, I don't know it about that sinks. though, because in these stories though, like Melinda Leo herself has knocked him down every flare, every staircase in the United Kingdom. I mean, we do terrible things to Harry Potter as a character. <laughs> I mean, let me put it this way: if the story is the one that I apparently just predicted it will become, and it's an analysis of what did James Potter mean in Harry's life, and the fact that James wasn't there, how is he still Harry's dad, and what does that mean to Harry? If the story can do commentary on that and what would it mean if Snape had raised Harry and what does it mean that Snape at this point in Harry's life is Harry's biological father if you can talk about all those things in the story I think that's interesting because then five fix from now I can look back and, and know that that conversation was had I mean if you don't like the story you don't read it I mean that's I don't like Hermione Snape fix try that don't like it I'm not going to read it but other people do I mean but my thing is you have to do it well and I feel like if it becomes this you know in the next podcast i come back here and say you know what these are the chapters that em snape got it and these are the chapters that all these things were addressed my question would be why didn't you do that in the first 14 because what i think we that was discussed a lot more in the first 14 chapters was actually snape and snape's hard to read because he's such a jackass all the time and it, it gets redundant. It's it, it's just he's so, he's so scathing. And well, so it awful. seems like over and over again, Snape being mean to Harry. The first fourteen chapters is just every way that Snape can to sneer at Harry and glare at him and pick on him. I'm just like, oh, stop picking it, on him. The <laughs> thing, also to keep in mind with this story, though, and I will say this: it is not just a Harry Potter story. It is a Harry Potter and a Snape story. And what I mean by that is just as important to the star story arc is Harry's recognition and dealing with his father issues, is Snape dealing with the reality of who Harry is and recognizing Harry as a person and not the symbol of James Potter. And it's as much as you may find Snape's mind gross, <laughs> I, that, that, is, that is 50% of the story is Snape's evolution. Oh, no. I have to spend half the story in his head. Yeah. <laughs> well, half the thing you see when you read the story is that in this, like in the last story we read, as memory serves, Snape has a really big ship and wears kilts and <laughs> sails around with his uncle Duncan. And I believe there was a greenhouse somewhere. Duncan had a greenhouse or something on the lower forty. I don't know. In this story, Snape's parents or Snape's father, at least, beats the ever living crap out of him. Is, is what you get. And then he goes to Hogwarts, and the Gryffindors beat the ever-loving crap out of him. Then the Gryffindors nearly kill him, and Dumbledore gives them three hours' attention. And then he becomes a Death Eater, and he you know crawls back to Dumbledore on his knees, 
and Dumbledore says, well, you're going to Azkaban for a few months. I will try to get you out. By the way, there's something I have to tell you. And then apparently Snape becomes a jackass. He never tells him. And then you have <laughs> Lily crawl back. I want to sleep with you. And Snape lasts for 13 and a half minutes. And then Lily crawls back to, to James. So this is the thing. Okay, let me push this back. Let me put it this way. When I was... Okay, we're, we're walking down memory lane here for the newly married Mr. Huggles, okay? When I was 16, I dated a girl, okay? And it's the first love situation. Isn't this wonderful? It lasted about eight weeks. And she broke up with me, and I was crushed. It was awful. And then a few weeks after that, she decided she wanted to date another guy. We worked in the supermarket at the time. If you work in a supermarket... That's all you have. You can only apparently date people from the supermarket. It's like its own little, you know, ecosystem. So she decides she wants to date the other kid in the supermarket. Now I'm like, well, you know what? I was actually decent with it. I was like, well, you know what? It happens. 16. She wants to date him. That's fine. Now, this kid had the craziest mother in the world. And cr- I hope he's not a listener because I would feel terrible. Crazy mother did not want her children to date girls until they were 25 or something ridiculous like that. So she would follow her kids around to make sure they weren't dating anyone. So this girl would go through this entire thing where she would show up at the kid's house and he'd walk up and he'd be at the door. Then the mother would pull in the driveway and he would pretend she was there selling magazines. And he would slam the door in her face and she would call the house and he would hang up on her because the mother's right there. And my thought was, do I suck that much that you would rather date him? Like, really? <laughs> My mother baked crap for you. But obviously that's not the way it went. So picture Snape. You know, James is sleeping with every woman in the United Kingdom in Northern Ireland, okay? And Great Britain in Northern Ireland or whatever the hell they call it. I was just there. you think I would have written it down. So he's sleeping with everyone. Now Snape himself, virgin, greasy hair, has nothing else going on. Lily sleeps with Snape once and then says, you know what, I prefer James, and goes back to the cheating flame. <laughs> so nothing in Snape's life has ever worked out. So then he finally gets out of Azkaban, and Dumbledore, Dumbledore sentences him to a life of teaching young children how to boil crap. Okay, I'll admit, I, I, I feel sorry for Snape. With a stick, you know what I mean? And then Snape's like, fine, I'm sorry. All I want is the defense against the dark arts job. It's all I want. I nearly died. Sirius Black almost got Remus Lupin to eat me. I went to jail. You've sentenced me to years teaching these brats. I was your spy. I've had sex with once. You know, like, that's all he wants. And Dumbledore's like, no, we're sorry. I can't give you the position, Snape, because there's someone else who just edged you out. Then Dumbledore goes to his balcony and gets, like, the big bullhorn. Does anyone want to be defense against the jacket? And there's some crickets oh, in the background. Can I, Snape, can I talk I have about to put you on teacher? <laughs> which, which one? Lupin or the, the, the dead one? It doesn't for three make any sense. The guy just shows up and he's like, this is the red, this is Professor Redshirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's there, and in the same paragraph that he's introduced, he dies. Like, what was the point of having him there at all? Remus back, maybe the point of Remus Black back later was the only point like, I could have. Why not just have Remus there from the beginning? Exactly. Well, I, think it, I think it was uh, your sense of humor is what I think it was, in all honesty. Or why did you bring Remus though? back? Wasn't there some other... But, but seriously, picture Snape. Like, 
like that's <laughs> Snape's perspective. Like you'll give the job to the guy who looks like a squirrel, but you won't give it to me. You'll give it to the guy who got eaten in front of his class, and then I'm still here. I'm still here. I can sub. The guy got eaten. I'm available. No, no it's okay. We'll have the werewolf the guy who almost ate you when you were 16, and we're going to have him back when it's convenient for him to teach the class because you suck. By the way, you're Harry's kid, but we kept him from you because we think you suck so bad, we would rather him be raised by the muggles. Aren't they quaint? You know what I mean? So, like, at this point, Snape is like, F you, man. You now, I'd like to take a quick break here, just for my little fellow podcasters, because I have something I need to share with all of you. Right? I'm sending you all a file. It's called Hmm. Okay. Are you all getting the file? I'm saving the file. Hmm. Hmm. Where should I save the file? Hmm. I saved it to my desktop. I'm saving it to my home file. Save it in the file labeled Puffwood Junk. I'm saving to a file named Tum. <laughs> now, this is a letter. Hey, hey, hey. Dalek! Brian, you're freaking up again. Dalek alert. I am opening the file. Hmm. I'll read the letter. Right. To the members of the California Assembly. I am returning Assembly Bill 1176 without my signature. For some time now, I have lamented the fact that major issues dues are overlooked while many unnecessary bills come to me for consideration. Border reform, prison reform, and health care are major issues my administration has brought to the table, but the legislature just kicks the can down the alley. Yet another legislative year has come and gone without the major reforms Californians overwhelmingly deserve. In light of this, and after careful consideration, I believe it is unnecessary to sign this measure at this time. Sincerely, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, why do you think I sent that to you? I have absolutely no idea. What is Assembly Bill 1176? Well, let me ask you this. What is Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like, you know how sometimes you write a letter to someone and you have an underlying point that you want to convey in this message and you hope they get the point? What is Arnold Schwarzenegger saying to the state legislature? This message. Shove it up your ass. Now, I want you to look at the message, and I want you to read it vertically. The first letter of each line. Going down. I. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they are putting this on all of the news outlets right now, because they think he was subliminally telling the legislature to frack themselves. What is Assembly Bill 1176? Just so it doesn't. I know. It, I, no one knows. It has, I don't it, think it matters. But, but that was just my... Just to close. That was my... I mean... Think of the character Snape that way. So now, when Harry's here now, he isn't viewing Harry as a person. He isn't viewing Harry as a responsibility. He is viewing Harry as a weapon to use against Dumbledore because he is incredibly pissed. So Dumbledore was probably wrong to play God and plan and, you know, all these years keep Snape away from his son. But Snape is an unfit parent because he never stops to think about the fact that his son is actually a human being. Plus, he beats the shit out of him, and I'm not cool with that either. Mike? Um, two things. One is, uh, well, we actually do one, then I'll, then I'll let you comment, then I'll do the second. I was curious, though, if you found Dumbledore's character believable. Because I know, I forget who it was, but there was someone on PFW who read this, and they were all affronted and upset that Dumbledore would never dare to, to keep you know, Harry's birth secret from Snape. 
And I'm thinking, but I find this really believable because it's Dumbledore being manipulative, but it's but it's being manipulative for a good cause. Like this Dumbledore, I honestly think was trying to do his best for Harry as best as he could. He just did it in a manipulative way. Does anyone think it was out of character for Dumbledore? I don't think it was out of character for Dumbledore, but I felt like I was being best over the head with evil Dumbledore characterization and I didn't like yeah. That's my thing is I don't think he's evil Dumbledore in this. Oh my I god, I'm agreeing with Mike again. What the hell is in the water? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that he is getting on towards the end of the chapters that we were reading, but early in the fic, I was just like wanting to just... Yeah, it was... Like, it it, it uh, feels better now, but something. like when I first read it, like I was rolling my eyes. But, yeah, but, at, at the end when it gets to and uh, the bit about the cupboard and... um. And Snape asks Harry, do you think Dumbledore knew about it? And Harry's like, of course he did. It was addressed to the cupboard. And that's when Snape goes, oh, he doesn't even realize they're magically addressed. And that's the turning point for me with Dumbledore. But prior to all that, I was just like, would you stop bashing up on Dumbledore? Because yeah, I, I disagree with you, even leaving that aside. Because to me, you can think Dumbledore, I, I think you have a legitimate reason to think Dumbledore was wrong to do this. I don't think you can say it's evil Dumbledore because to me what Dumbledore did is he's just he took on the role without legal legally being asked or anything like that of Harry's guardian that he's sort of playing a benevolent god almost and that he makes this decision for Harry's well-being if he's raised with Snape Snape's going to mistreat him and he's in Snape you know I, I see how bitter and angry Snape is I don't want this coming to Harry so I'm going to shield Harry from this and maybe that's it's, you can argue, and I could agree with you, that it's wrong for Dumbledore to make that decision for Snape, but I don't see anything evil in that decision in that, or implied being evil. No, that's that not what I'm saying. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the fact that we're in Snape's head and that Snape is so angry with Dumbledore for all this stuff. <clears throat> now, maybe he has a right to be, and I'm not saying he doesn't, but what I'm talking about is whether or not I want to read it and... Although you might be able to justify a lot of the points, like um, I'm sitting there, why would I want to read a story that hasn't set it up enough for me? Why would I want to read Lily not being perfect in this manner? In that, you know, my, my point is, is about that. The is, reason is to answer you've got to question. pull someone into the story. You've got to make it so they want to read it. And what I'm being found with the beginning of this story is it's throwing out at me all the cliches and things that I hate in Harry Potter fanfic. It's evil Dumbledore. I know that he's not evil, but it's the way it's being written, the way it's being presented, it's being thrown out. It's slutty Lily being thrown out. It's horrible, nasty, mean Snape. They're just all being thrown out, and it's emo-depressed Harry who thinks he's responsible for everything bad that happens in the world. All these cliches that I hate in Harry Potter fan fiction is all I'm getting at the start of the story. And but I'm Ron like, hasn't why been a prick yet. Ron has not been a prick yet. So I'm just waiting. I mean, there's two different. I think you guys are talking about apples and oranges. There's, there's, you can look at you can look at the storyline itself and the characterizations and Snape's childhood and Dumbledore's mistakes and everything. And you can look at the way that E.M. Snape presents the story to you, and you could very easily go with the fact that E.M. Snape bungled the beginning of the story because they didn't want to take enough time to, to progress the story slowly, so they jumped right into it. So by chapter three, you were already at you know the major plot point of the story. But by that point, some people... I mean, let's be honest. There's some, probably some people out there who are like, woohoo, it took you're like another 28 chapters to get here. <laughs> and there's some people who go, okay, this is crap because obviously the writer 
must be 13 years old because they're just jumping to the end. So you're, you're not going to please everybody, and we definitely have our own preferences how it should have been written. That said, what I think with the character of Dumbledore, let's say, for example, I, don't, I never saw it as... You know, I don't think it was a case of you know evil Dumbledore, quote-unquote. It's one of those stories where when, when it's originally being presented to the reader that Snape is actually the father of Harry, you're actually on Snape's side because A, you don't know what kind of a Snape characterization this is. B, we all as people have this belief that if someone is the father of a baby, that person should probably know they're the father of that baby and no one should be able to like you know lie about that to that parent because parents have rights. And we know that Dumbledore can be manipulative and can make decisions for people without their consent that can be you know, horrible for them as time goes on. So you read that and you're on Snape's side. Like, what the hell is Dumbledore doing? He has no right to do this. Snape says, I'm his father. I should have been told. And you agree with him on that. And then the more you get into the story, you see the fact that Snape is a total prick who doesn't think about anyone else, even Harry at any point during the story. You know, at one point after he beats the snot out of Harry and nearly suffocates him and kills him, there's a moment where he says, hmm, perhaps I have gone too far. Well, you know what? (laughs) That's not good parenting. Did I beat him too much today is not an example of fine parenting so you then you look back at it and then you find out that well first it was lily's decision lily lied to snape and lily lied to james and dumbledore didn't you know unveil the truth at one point in the story you think is what's going on so okay now dumbledore is an accomplice and he could say something even though dumbledore didn't start it he's going along with it then you find out that dumbledore was going to tell him the truth and only at the point where Snape turned to be such a horrible person at that exact moment did Dumbledore back down and decide, you know what, telling the truth is good, but in this case it could be you know, incredibly hurtful to Harry and harmful to Harry. Do you actually think, you know what, I would probably do the same thing that Dumbledore just did? So you start off the story thinking Dumbledore is a total jerk, and near the end of it, where we stop for tonight, you're like, you know what, I can actually see where Dumbledore is coming from. So, oh, yeah. I, thought, I, I agree I thought, with that. But, yeah, are you going to – now, do you get to Chapter 14 unless you're being ordered to read it for a podcast? Maybe not. <laughs> no, Maybe, yeah. that's my point. Yeah. That's what I'm well, saying. You wouldn't, I think the people who will be interested in this story, like you're asking why would you want to read this, I think it's people um, who have a, a big interest in Snape. And there's a, there is a huge Snape fandom, and I think if you I find know, Snape a fascinating I'm... character – then you'd want to read this, and then you what I mean is, when I write, I don't just like pander to the people that like what I'm writing. I try to make it so that people that wouldn't necessarily think of that would still be interested in giving it a try. Well, I think you will. And like Jen Chu ended up liking it. Sue ended up liking. It. I think you will and, end up. And and, and 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 no, I've got on the back of my head this little voice, Mike's little voice, going, "Oh, I can't wait for this podcast. I can't wait for you to read this story. You're gonna love it." And I'm sort of sitting here grinding my teeth. As I click the next chapter. <laughs> and then Snape beat Harry. This is actually something I picked up a little bit more thoroughly rereading it for the podcast, actually, is that, which is an interesting theory of, I think, E.M. Snape puts forward, that obviously it evolves beyond this. But I actually think originally a lot of his animosity, Snape's animosity, to the Marauders actually revolves around Dumbledore in a sense. And tell me if anyone else picked up on this, because what I read is Snape comes from this troubled childhood where no one's ever really loved him or cared for him. And he comes to Hogwarts and Dumbledore is such this revelation to him. And that, you know, Dumbledore is someone who treats him well, who seems to respect him. And this is a theme, I think, throughout the first part of the story. Snape's sort of 
twisted relationship with Dumbledore and that Dumbledore is this person whose respect he really wants and who no matter how much he, like, he keeps denying like Dumbledore means nothing to me but really you can tell from sort of how he's saying it that really Dumbledore's opinion is actually the only opinion that means something to him really in this story and then in, in the story what happens with the Marauders is he says like how much Dumbledore's respect means to him and then he sees the Marauders getting even you know Dumbledore's eyes glittering like even more especially when he's talking to the Gryffindor Marauders and that's to me seem to imply the start of their rivalry is Snape being jealous almost of Dumbledore's feelings. You know, Dumbledore, spe- the special place, I guess, in Dumbledore's heart for the James and the, and the, uh, the Siriuses and the Peters. And that's also, I think, I think like a lot of his, a lot of Snape's anger to Dumbledore in, in this, to, to me, sorry, let me show that up. A lot of Snape's anger at Dumbledore to me strikes me as being not just the fact that the, the facts of the issue that Dumbledore covered up the fact that he had a son, but the betrayal of the issue, that to him, Dumbledore is this one person that he's sort of somewhat let inside his guard, even a little bit, not completely, but a little bit, and Dumbledore's betrayed the trust, and that he, you know, and he has to reevaluate how Dumbledore, re- how Dumbledore thinks of him, and that his thoughts of how Dumbledore thinks of him isn't how Dumbledore really thinks of him, and this sort of um, readjustment of his reality, I think, is a lot of what fuels his anger um, towards Harry. Yeah. That's not fair. Um, well, it's not fair. Harry. No, it's not, oh, I'm no, not, I'm not saying it's fair. It's not totally unfair. Oh, no. I oh, know, but shush, 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 shush. It's not fair, so <laughs> I can't get past it. <laughs> That's but what I'm saying. Well, let me, let me, because I'm actually curious with the way Kez is talking about this here. When you say you can't get past it because it's unfair, the way I view it is like the story I just said. When I was 16, girl broke up with me, dated creep after me. And my response was, was I so bad that you would leave me for the creep? But it, I'm old enough and mature enough now to look back at that and say, well, that's not a fair point because it doesn't mean that she left me for someone else. It could mean she just didn't like me and was trying someone else. I'm not a factor of the second relationship, and I can understand that at 28 when maybe I couldn't at 16. The problem with Snape is that at 35 or however old he is, he is still going out there like a 15-year-old and everything's about that's him. That's what I mean. But that, I that's mean, what I mean. But what I'm saying is that's, that's, to me, I see that as good characterization because I can see Snape doing that because Snape, I could very easily see, be someone who was very stunted like that. Whereas... I don't think that he is. I think that that's selling Snape short. Okay. I mean, that's... The, that's <laughs> what you, But no, I mean, in canon, he is yeah, the teacher I, I who, like, about, practically lights his students on fire. I mean, I think he, about... With Snape, I think about, okay, in Prisoner of Azkaban, how mad he gets when he finds out that he's not going to win the Order of Merlin because someone hasn't been killed. You know, because, I mean, he just gets... so. I mean, he's like a little kid. I mean, I really I think he is stunted in a way. He goes after Neville all the time. He sees Neville's insecurities, and he and he hunts at them, and he goes and he pushes all of Neville's buttons like a bully does. He's a bully. He's a bully who's a teacher. He never grew out of that. And, and in this story, you see the fact that he was beat up by his dad, and he had no friends, and the only time he had sex was when the woman was having a fight with her husband, who she still liked better, by the way. And, by the way, he's such a horrible person. We all have to lie about Snape having the kid, because we can't possibly let him know, because he's not a fit parent. You know, by the way, you can't let him teach the class, because, you know, when I'm, like everything in his life is, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. I mean, I know people in uh, my own family who... 
never got past something when they were 16 years old. And when you see them now, they act so insecure, they act like small children. I know someone who's 75 years old who does that, and they act like a little kid in certain circumstances. I mean, I, I think that's completely believable. Hmm. I don't. <laughs> Not really. I just, I, I can see in certain circumstances, yes, I just don't think in this one. And maybe it's because I'm looking at it from a post-canon perspective in that I've read Deathly Hallows, I've read Half-Blood Prince, and I can't go back to post-Order of the Phoenix Snape, maybe. Because to me, Snape isn't immature and, and stuff, and I can't... I can see what you're saying and how you got to there, but I just, I can't... I mean, I took a different path. Yeah. What E.M. Snape does... Yeah, no, I can see there. that. What E.M. Snape <laughs> does is takes one facet of Snape's character, the fact that he never got over something when he was a kid. And and E.M. Snape makes the, the deduction that from that, Snape had an awful childhood, childhood, and from that, he does it unconsciously, and from that, he is an adult who is 16 years old. And you can make the argument, too, in canon, that he has traits... Like he he has you know traits of such, but that's not his entire character, and they can both be right. I think this is plausible from a fan fiction point because I think it's well reasoned. It's take points from the character and craft a uh, you know a history of the character, and, and you know his his upbringing was much like Harry's, and and because and isn't that great? Because even though they're so similar, look where they are now, and they hate each other. So I think that's interesting, you know, from a literary standpoint. So I just think it works well, but I can see why you don't think it does. Mm. I, I do think the keep in mind when it's written, too, is that this is before books six and seven, and we don't really see... I would agree with you more, because I think if it was written later on, but, but really what have we yeah. seen to this point is it's mostly been a lot of him picking on Harry, and the, the good side of Snape is only Dumbledore's word that there is a good side, really. We haven't actually seen Snape do anything besides pick on his students, really, and even and maybe save Harry's life a couple of times in year one, but do it sort of like grudgingly and while looking down on Harry, kind of. It actually worked for me canon-wise, too, because then you have the whole plot point about how much he hates Dumbledore, and then in the next movie, he in the next book, he whacks him off. I mean, oh, whacks him off. That was unfortunate. He whacks him, is what I meant to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> for 13 minutes. <laughs> For 13 full minutes. That was unfortunate. P.S. I know you're not here because even you would be laughing at that. No, I, I didn't know wax. I didn't know wax him off was a. No, term. no. <laughs> Never mind. I, I, no, I'm it's a, I got, um, I got wax him off. It's a term for masturbation. Oh. It's a term for masturbation. I'd never heard that before. Really? I, I think I told this on an earlier podcast, but a friend of mine hurt her back the other day at work, so she was leaning against a pole in the middle of the office, and she was, like, rubbing her back against the pole, trying to get the, the, the crank out of her back, and she said out loud, I've got, like, 14 different knots in my back right now. And as I'm walking by, one of the receptionists is like, why don't you have Ryan rub one out? <laughs> Which is God, also... I've never heard these words before. You never knew... Never well, that rub one, out is rub one out have you not no. read any Ron Fix? Ron rubs one out in every single damn fic. <laughs> never heard that. Never, ever. I'm shocked. I, I, I know sexual innuendo that P.S. doesn't. That's shocking. I'm a little shocked and scared by this. I think we should send P.S. a list. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Dear P.S., how are you? I am fine. Please. You know what that would be like? That would be like Jules, when Puffler got started, sent me the list of censored words on, um, oh, what was, what's that? Edit this out. Phoenix like, Song. The, the, I was thinking P.S. in my head. I couldn't think of what it was for. Um, Phoenix the, Song. Yeah, the, the, the words from Phoenix Song that you couldn't say, and I was blushing reading the list because it's like, you know, like it's Jules. She's a care bear, and she's sending me like very nasty words. It was, it was bad. <laughs> so, P.S., we'll bring our friendship it's... to a whole new level tonight. I will send you a list of sexual innuendo. <laughs> I'm really, I'm actually kind of, I'm actually kind of embarrassed. But I didn't know all these words. I thought maybe they were Australian, but I guess if Ryan not. <laughs> That's how they do it in Australia. That's how they do it here. No, I, I know so what dumb. they do in Australia. They wank. <laughs> in Australia, it's called wanking. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Snape was... was wanking wank, wank. Snape was wanking. But no, it makes sense. I mean, you have him hate Dumbledore so much during this, and then in the next movie, in the next book, he kills him. So I'm like, okay, apparently it's not going to end well, if you think of it that way. I mean, so it actually did... Mike! Hello! Mike, we can't fact hear you when you do this. He's, he's like, whacking. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, let's count to 13. One. One. Two. Two. <laughs> Hold on, let's just send back Mike. Yeah? Nothing. <laughs> what did I miss? Oh, nothing at all, dude. Are um, you making fun of me? A little bit. So, <laughs> oh, I'm insulted now. Can we just talk about the... I'm talking to Keza here. Okay, so Snape is determined to get rid of Harry's glamour to see what he looks like underneath, which is seriously the meanest thing you can do to a kid. If you um, want to make him feel bad about himself... You're going to take the glamour off of him. So, okay. And he does it without his consent. He gives him this. He drugs him. He beats him. Gives him opiates. He puts him in cider. I gotta say this. Never get between me and your and my cider. You could tell me I'm putting seriously estrogen supplements in your cider. I would still drink it because I love cider. So I just don't think that's very fair at all. Now the. He when it begins the process when the successful glamour process begins, Harry starts getting shorter. So I wrote to Keza. He's obviously you know Lily's traits are more dominant, and he is coming out short like his mother. To which Keza writes back, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> so I thought at the time I misread. I don't think Keza read the story yet, but whatever. So then. So then, we find out it's not because Lily had the more dominant traits, it's because Harry was starved as a child and now comes out shorter, which I thought was interesting, that like the glamour was hiding Harry's malnutrition all this time, but I guess that possibly could work. I have one more comment, then I'm going to go for a question um, for Keza that Mike asked me earlier. I want to see what Keza thinks. The other thing was, can we just talk about this? Harry, once the glamour is off, Harry is a pretty boy. (laughs) Like Draco Malfoy. Like Draco Malfoy. (laughs) I was thinking of Jen when I read that. I was like, where's Jen when you need her? Like Draco Malfoy? (laughs) And And he actually comes out wearing leather, which I thought was very interesting. I was thinking, where's Jen? She should be on for this. He's very delicate. Uh, he has very delicate features. 
Does he have the nose? I don't think there was a reference to No, his nose is a little bigger and his hair is lying flat and he has longer eyelashes and and very delicate cheekbones. <laughs> like, so, like it even says he looks feminine. <laughs> like it's just Yeah. <laughs> At least he looked like a boy before, like a man well, before. All I could think of was all the... Gangly. All I could picture was all the Mpreg fix where Harry has the butt sex babies. And then there's the fix where Harry's a cat. You know what I mean? In this fic, Harry is actually the daughter of Snape and Lily. <laughs> they glamoured more than they meant it to. And I love how stupid Harry is in this. He's like, Something's I will sneak- missing. Harry's like, I will sneak out of the bedroom. I will sneak out of the bedroom. I will go down the hallway, and I will see who the Death Eater is. He thinks I'm so stupid, I'll get caught. And of course, he gets caught. And he's like, I did what any non-Gryffindor would do. I ran like hell. I just enjoyed it. I thought that was kind of... His, I love his rationale. Okay, so I've got the glamour off, so why can't they see me? I mean, they're not going to know I'm Harry. Snape must think I'm really stupid. It's like, it doesn't occur to him that they're going to wonder who the kid is in Snape's house. Like, Who's that androgynous young woman over there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he puts on a wig. <laughs> I'm Shirley. Like, what are they doing in that situation? See, now, now I'm picturing, I mean... I'm picturing him with these, like, long, beautiful eyelashes, like a camel. That's what he has! He can feel them on his cheeks. (laughs) What the hell can he do that? I can't even do that, and I'm actually a girl. They're, like, eight inches long. He's very delicate. Oh, stop being see I'm going to kill myself laughing. You know, change the subject. He's like a little Did flower. Did you have a question for me, Ryan? You had a question. Yeah, Mike for me? has a question. Mike, you asked. Mike. You know how you're trying to get stuff done before the podcast, and Mike's like, "I just have a question," and you're like, "What is it, Mike?" And he's like, "Where the babies come from?" And you're like, "No, now, Mike, ask me later." Mike, you had a question about the glamour, and Keza said earlier tonight she is she looks at things from like a physics perspective or so you were mentioning physics earlier Keza was that correct yeah with Something. the baby train the train the baby and the baby yeah. all right yeah. yes yes so so you're good with physics so you should be able to hans- <laughs> answer this question from brother Mike here Mike well I was just it occurred to me when I was rereading this I wonder his skin apparently is so much paler like whatever it was like white trim you know really light skin I wondered. Do you get sunburned as if he had the Potter skin color, or as if he had the Snape skin color? And if it gets sunburned as if he had like his real skin color and not the glamoured skin color, then would he just like have a sunburn with no, you know, like we had like the pain of a sunburn with no actual image of a sunburn on his body? Now, how long and have Harry you been thinking about this? Carrie was kept in a cupboard for ten years. He's never been sunburned in his life. What are you talking? Didn't about? Didn't he have to do like yard work and stuff? <laughs> no, no, that was actually psychic like like serpent by Barb. <laughs> The, <laughs> the glamour, I think, would it, be, it goes over the top of of Harry, you know, little Snapey, feminine Harry, right? So the glamour would block the UV UV rays, and the Potter skin would get sunburned, not the Snape skin. The Snape's the Snape's <laughs> Snape skin would be protected by the glamour in much the same way that a sunburn charm or sunscreen would yeah, do. It's, it's as if he's wearing like a full body suit of Harry, you know? Yes, over a Little Miss Snape. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
That would be awful, too, if the glamour came off and Little Miss Snape had skin cancer because Harry's been walking around with her. <laughs> That's really horrible. That's a horrible thing to say, right? He's very sensitive skin. I'm the, seriously, but I'm the latest guy in the world that can't walk to the Making me wonder about, like, his internal organs. Like, did they, did they shift? You know, I mean, like, we know his face turned differently because being the son oh, of God. Snape, he has different features. But I mean, like, let's say Snape's family has, like, liver problems. So, like, would he suddenly develop liver problems? You know what I think? Organs would be the same. I'm hoping the fic doesn't go here. But where half the fics on adultfanfiction.net would go from here would be Harry investigates his new body. (laughs) No, no, you don't have to worry about that. Finds an improvement... In this one, from the old one. And then he went Snape is very pleased. <laughs> Snape gets no, over no. everything. Yeah, but the James at that point. And then the question is, does Harry go back? No, no, don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, right. What I'll say is, Harry's actually going to spend most of the fic looking like Harry. Um, the only time he doesn't look like Harry is when Lucius is here, really. Um, no, and, and in terms of uh, sexual sexual stuff, this fic is probably PG-13 at best, at worst. Like he's not gonna get more I've, got this image, I've got this image of Harry, um, Harry Snape um, deciding as he grows older that he wishes to retain his natural physical structure and, and look more like how he was born and so on. And he will undergo – because you know one of the things I really liked was how Snape had to undo it a little bit at a time. That complexity of I thought was really, really good um, writing and stuff and making up the, the glamour that it was in little parts – so that it couldn't all just come unraveled. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I've got this image of him like Michael Jackson, one at a time getting rid of a glamour until his his photos taken of him, you know, when he's 16 at, at the height of his fame and photos when he's 50, he looks like a completely different person and his, like, skin is wider <laughs> and it looks and like he's all a the, And all the little Harry Potter fans are examining the pictures, Mike, like, much like we do with Michael Jackson going, Yes! I wonder if yes, he's I've had surgery. This... Do you think he's had surgery? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this I've got this image of and he's, like, gradually reverting See, back to... Now I am imagining Harry as Michael Jackson, like, in my head. <laughs> In my head, like, Harry is Michael Jackson as he looked originally, and then Little Miss Snape is... I have a question. Now that we've discovered Little Miss Snape, does that make Tonks a lesbian? Oh, my gosh! Oh, Tonks! Oh, my God, can we talk about Tonks? Can we talk about Tonks? Yeah, this is why I wanted P.S. in this podcast, just for Tonks. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. I hate that shit. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I'm so glad. Why would you want P.S. here in particular? Is she in charge of, like, the statutory rape fix? Or, like, what is something? Oh, my God. It was my fault because I'm the one who kissed her. I'm just like, oh, you idiot, Harry. I'm like, I can't believe this is in this fic. Tonks is not a pedophile. It's like they're bageling her up. It's just not fair. They are bageling her up. That is correct. The one thing about the fic which I thought was... It's not something you want to read. Is okay in the in the books themselves. These sixteen-year-old kids are literally engaging in hand-to-hand combat with like enemies of the state. They speak in you know fluent English. They, they you know they, they they don't have cell phones. They're not texting each other because usually people who are sixteen years old and God love all the Papuanians, you're all exempted. You're all exempt from this, but you know most sixteen-year-old kids. 
annoy the crap out of me. You know what I mean? So the the thing I like mm. about the Harry Potter novels is that the kids seem older than they actually are. So you don't have to deal with, with, with a lot of that. The, the one line that got me in this fic that showed that this Harry is your typical 16-year-old is after it comes out that he has slept with Tonks and, the, and that they have this... They have a ship. I think that would be great if that was actually a line and they're like, you know, we have a ship. The, the one line was Harry... I think I'm in love with her. Oh, that annoyed me. But it's so fitting. You have to admit that's so like a teenage thing to say. Yeah, but it's stupid because he was very upset. I've killed my godfather. I'm being emo, Harry. I'm going to curl in in a cupboard. Living in the cupboard. I mean, that that drove me back. Stupid, Harry. And Tox comes in and she does for him what any normal person would do and she offers him physical comfort in the form of a hug, maybe strokes his hair a little bit. These are motherly things. Molly Weasley does this kind of stuff, right? This is acceptable. Oh, God, thank it's God Molly fine. wasn't there. Could you imagine Molly like, oh, oh stop, 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 No more. And he turns around and looks at her and goes, oh, I think I must kiss her. Okay, this might be a normal 16-year-old male moment. But she just, she chases after him and goes, no, Harry, I didn't mind. Let's kiss some more. And they get it on a bit. And then he doesn't, he's not even attracted to her. There's no, he's not attracted to her. And they just randomly, she decides, oh, Harry, kiss me. Now it is okay for me to grope him and have sex. And we're in a relationship. And, of course, it's Harry, the 16-year-old, is like, oh, I'm in love. But there was nothing. He, he I have a question. Nothing. Can I ask a question? It's supposed to be this, like that. When was this fic written? Right after book five. Does anyone else find it odd that this is the exact same thing that happens to Dan Radcliffe with the hairdresser? <laughs> no, I'm serious. The 16-year-old <laughs> Dan Radcliffe and the 22-year-old hairdresser. And this is like, does anyone else find that like, like, just a little coincidental? I try not to think about Dan Radcliffe and the 22-year-old hairdresser. I try not to think about Dan Radcliffe because he scares me a little bit. But no one else thought. P.S. <laughs> come on, P.S. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Dan Radcliffe had Dan sex Radcliffe with the hairdresser. Dan Radcliffe lost his virginity at 16 to the hairdresser. Who was 22. What? Ew. He's older. <laughs> 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 not her, any of the sex stuff. I think it's kind of amusing. She's I don't know. Today, must be, today just be my off day. I think it's your off day. But I, I just found that a little coincidental. I was I actually thought it was commentary on the fact that, well, you know, Daniel no, I'm pretty Radcliffe sure it was written before that, actually. Yeah. Right, well, we, we didn't know that Daniel Radcliffe had had sex with the hairdresser at the post-Order of the Phoenix. That wasn't that wasn't revealed until post-Deathly Hallows. He kept well, that under wraps until he was actually old enough to be having a relationship with a 22-year-old hairdresser. Well, yeah. I think in England, 16 is the age of consent, so I think it's okay. Yeah, but he shouldn't be is. having... He, he, but 22 is too, too old. Too, that's oh, I agree. Allowed. It's too old. It's just the person who's 16 having sex has to be having sex with someone who's like only two years older than them, don't they? Uh, like, no, is there a limit? I think... No, I think once you're 16 in, in the UK, Yeah, once you're at the age of consent, it's age of consent means anything. Really? I, there's yeah. some crazy rule that I've that someone has somewhere. Maybe here, it's like 14 here. or 16. No, no, it's two years. Is- consent, here, the age of consent is 18, but I think if you're, like, it's not statutory rape, say, if, like, there's a 17-year-old girl and an 18-year-old guy or something like that. No, the age of consent in Massachusetts is 16, and if you're under the age of 16, it's statutory rape. 
Yeah. Anyway, getting back to the fic and Tonks and her complete abuse of her position and trust and the fact that she shouldn't be doing Harry because it's bad and wrong and I hate Can it. Can I ask a question? She sends him the leather saying, Harry, I'm thinking about our week away in January or whatever. Where would you... My thing is, how the hell are you going to get him out of Hogwarts? <laughs> I think Teza and PS will be more satisfied with Tonks after the second, the third podcast. Really? I think I more, there is nothing that can excuse what she has done to Harry. Not excuse, but I think not, not, I don't think you'll be happy with what she did to Harry. But in terms of how the author once once you accept that it happened, how the author then deals with it, I think you'll be happy. Tonks and Harry is not a legitimate valid ship. Nothing the author can do is going to save this, Mike. Unless squeaks me out that it's bad and it's wrong. And I, th- it I would think the author agrees with you. My my sense is that E.M. Snape actually would agree with you, Kevin. Well, there could be imperious. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. No, no, it could be imperious. Dalek, Dalek, Dalek. You were just agreeing with me. Hold on. I don't know what you're saying. You sound like Davros. Imagine. I totally would. If I were an exterminator, I would stand there and I would kill the bugs while saying exterminate, exterminate. Right. What I was to say was, you don't know, maybe she's under the Imperious curse or uh, we don't know. So. That's a- I just I want to know how she was going to take Harry away for the week. Wouldn't someone know this? Wasn't he on still on Christmas holidays though? Was she going to abduct him from Privet Drive? I don't know. I thought that would. All I'm going to say is, I think Em Snape. She's an aura. She can. She's in charge of protecting him. No, I think I don't think that's a problem. I think Em Snape. There's a conflict of interest. Ask her, but I think E.M. Snape would actually agree with Keza on Keza's interpretation of. The Harry Tonks relationship. That's what I'm going to say. I think E.M. Snape would actually Squicky. agree with you. Squicky and wrong, and I, I don't think, like it. I think she'd agree with you on every one of those things, actually. I didn't well, what did she write it for? You'll see. If she, ri- if she writes it and then says it's squicky, I guess that's okay, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. I get, as a writer, I get where she's coming from, because I've, I've written things that are supposed to be... I mean... Not maybe not this disturbing, but like I've written things where a character thinks they're doing the right thing, but the reader's supposed to know they're not. And I'll say this too. I mean, I think Kezra and I just have disagreements on where we come from here. I don't mind if you write something that's squicky, but if you acknowledge it's squicky in the story, then at least it's true to reality. If you write yeah, that, it, in that's, a squicky... that's what I'm saying. Which is what well, Snape I, does. I get Snape, that point. Look what Snape I says. Get that point. I get that point, right? And I agree with Snape. Like, I completely, I'm like in, uh, totally on Snape's side at this point. What my point is, you got to realize that I'm being forced to read that fic for the podcast. That's true. She is doing this against her will. Can I ask a question? Why did Snape? Why did all these things would have made me put it down? Why did Snape burn the leather? What was the purpose of that? So that he couldn't, because he's trying to stop Harry keep up the relationship. Like, if he doesn't, how how did that help? Well, if you get a love letter right from someone, you read it over and over again until you get the next one and stuff. And so he's removing the bond. He's he's breaking, trying to cut the bond that that Harry has with his girlfriend. Ugh, 
I just thought like he could have locked Harry in the attic or something. He's already doing that. He already did. <laughs> well, lock him again. I don't know. That's just I will burn the leather for which you have already read. I don't like memory. the fact that Snape is keeping Harry prisoner. I don't understand why he's doing it. <laughs> just just, just because, for no particular reason. No, he's I, he's I doing it to piss Dumbledore off. Is what he's doing. That's why he takes Harry there. Is it that seems like too like a really elaborate scheme for no reason to piss Dumbledore off? I found if you want to piss someone off, there is nothing too elaborate that you can do. Like you, you're willing to put in the extra effort. But like, <laughs> uh, is he trying to keep Harry in, or is he trying to keep Dumbledore away from Harry? I don't understand the purpose. Oh, of what he was trying to do is he knew how upset. There's two things at play. He takes Harry to his house because it, it, it emerges in that conversation. Yeah. He realizes how upset Dumbledore is going to be if he that, takes. So he takes Harry to his house. He locks Harry in the room just because he doesn't ha- trust Harry running around this house getting up the mischief. Well, he he treats Harry like crap in every potions class. What, what, I don't yeah. see it's a character for Snape to just try and. No, I know, but I'm like, if you're gonna bring like, I think that that's awful that that he's using Harry just to annoy Dumbledore then because. Why don't the Dursleys let Harry go? Why did the Dursleys not you know not do whatever possible to get Harry out of the house all summer so they don't have to deal with him? Why do they keep him locked in the bedroom? under their lock and key. It's easier for parents who don't like kids just to say, fine, you know, I'm not going to ground you, I'm not going to stay home with you, do whatever you want. But if you really want to make someone's life a living hell, you'll keep them close to you and you'll make your life a living hell at the same time just to hurt them. So I didn't see there was any different than what the Dursleys do. Yeah, but I don't know why Snape would want to do it. Because like, he hates Harry. He hates Harry. <laughs> he, he gets to piss off Dumbledore. Oh, Harry. What Harry would like... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He... Snape's honest to God. Well, I don't know if he hates Harry. I just don't think he cares. He he doesn't care. He he, he, he reams him. He rips him a new one for having it off with Tonks, and then practically chokes the kid. I mean, it's okay for me to abuse you so that you're nearly dead, but you are not allowed to have sex with an older woman. <laughs> But you're supposed to think that because he's obviously you're not supposed to think Snape's being fair or treating Harry fair at this no, point. No, I know, but oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. Snape yeah. is an evil, evil, evil git. At this point, which I agree, which I agree is portrayed particularly well, particularly in that part of the fic, because I wanted to kill people. No, I didn't want to kill. People. Well, that's a bit damn condemning. Isn't it? <laughs> I wanted to. What did you think of the plot point where Harry? was able to hold off Voldemort for months by mastering Occlumency by, in his own way, keeping himself locked up in his cupboard. I, I don't like that because I don't... I mean, I don't like Mopey Harry in general when he's <laughs> yeah, you know, blaming himself ahead. for everything. And I, I can really say... But do you Sorry. not like that because you read it 53,000 times, or do you not like no, it? I don't like say, it. no, I've never actually read Harry going back into the cupboard because he's so depressed, and that that's what got me, drove me up the wall, going back I, in the cupboard, the cupboard, like where he... Hold on a second, I have to see something. Mike, Yeah. did you by chance like the cupboard part? I didn't. It's not my. I didn't dislike it. Oh, thank God, because I liked it, and I was afraid we were going to agree on everything. I, like, I mean, I liked it well enough, yeah. Okay. I, I, mean, I had no problem with his logic because to me it's it's not about him being depressed so he goes into the cupboard. It's that the cupboards become a place of safety for him. Well, I could safety. see the logic behind that. 
and I thought it was well thought out. I just didn't like it. Well, I liked it because I've never read it before, and I like reading things that are logical and make sense, and I haven't read before. And I think it, it, it does make sense. The cupboard to Harry represents a time in his life where he was worthless, where he wasn't responsible for anything, and no, he, it didn't matter what he did, and he would never get anyone killed, or no one ever had to suffer because of him, and he could just escape to the point where he was just a worthless kid, because that's how he felt. I mean, I thought that was... A good point. I, I thought- liked the logicness of that and how it fit in with the Occlumen scene, how it, how it all worked. I thought that was well thought out. The the logic and the plot plotting, not plotting, um, the reasoning behind it all. I thought was was very good. I just didn't like that Harry had done that because I don't I don't like emo Harry, but I think it worked logically and it's a plot point that that's how he could be Occlumenseed. He could do that. I just really need Ron to walk in, though, and start screaming about dating Jenny. I I feel like I don't know where Ron and Hermione are. I mean, I I know he's been taken away to Snape's house, so obviously they're not going to be there. But I feel like... Yeah, I think I miss them. It seems so claustrophobic because only two characters are in the entire thing. Like... Yeah, I miss I the want other someone characters. else to show up, you know. Lucius has, and I was like, "Oh, well, Tonks Lucius. sends a letter, and Snape burns it, and then Lucius, a Death Eater, shows up. Lucius shows up, and Snape says, "You must not be seen." So <laughs> it doesn't matter that these other people are around. It, it is. Yeah. A, there's See, a, that, a that, I mean, he's banned Harry from seeing them. So I mean, Do you know the, what I never thought of before this, and it's it's nothing that E.M. Snape did. It's just me being a moron. It never occurred to me that Snape's big thing is, I am Dumbledore's spy. I am the spy for Dumbledore. Those who know me know I am a a Death Eater, but I'm really a spy. It never occurred to me that he would go to Voldemort and tell Voldemort, I'm pretending to be your spy. You know what I mean? What did like, you think he was doing? No, it, but no, but it never. No, but it never occurred to me that that was that that was the thing that just never occurred to me openly when I was reading the canon. I always just read it, or my brain never focused on it. I always just read it that when he went to Voldemort, he was going to Voldemort and saying, "Okay, I'm working for you, Voldemort." But it never occurred to me that when he went to Voldemort, he says, "Okay, Dumbledore knows I'm here." Do you know What's what more mean? is that this is written before book six or seven, and she's already thought this up about Snape playing yeah, but double. That's obvious. That's what spies are. I mean, it's not like he's just kind of pretending that Voldemort has never heard the rumor that Dumbledore is, is that he's a spy for Dumbledore. I mean, he Dumble Voldemort thinks Snape is spy. I mean, bleh, okay, Voldemort thinks Snape might be like feeding. God, there's too many people. I can't. I can't say the sentence. Voldemort thinks Snape is, for example, feeding Dumbledore false information. And Dumbledore you know, thinks Snape's feeding Voldemort false information. Well, he is. I mean, or, Snape is on Dumbledore's side. But then Voldemort occur- thinks then, he's on his side. Voldemort thinks Dumbledore thinks Snape is on Dumbledore's side, which is actually true. Well, and so Voldemort thinks. But think up on a fire. Huh? I got it from Goblet of Fire. Yeah, me too. That's, that's what that's what because he couldn't turn up to the graveyard because he had to hang around with Dumbledore because he any is it Goblet of Fire or it, it just was obvious to me from Goblet of Fire that Voldemort Goblet of Fire Dumbledore God 
in Goblet of Fire, Voldemort thinks Snape has left him, and then somehow he's able to convince him that he hasn't. Because we don't find out. Yep, Voldemort was in the back of Quirrell's head all during book one, and he would Snape. Voldemort would know what Snape was doing. Yeah, so Voldemort knew that Snape he was in wasn't oh, yeah. helping him. So Quirrell is being all like, Quirrell is trying to get Snape to help him because he's Voldemort, and he thinks if Snape is loyal to Voldemort, he'll help him. And since Snape is not helping him, and since Snape did not show up in the graveyard, Voldemort thinks, oh, Snape has left me, he's on Dumbledore's side. Right. And somehow between books, in the, the time we aren't shown between four and five, Snape manages to convince Voldemort, oh, no, no, I'm on yeah. your side. Well, we Dumbledore know how thinks does I'm that. spying for him. I am feeding Dumbledore yeah. false information by pretending to be a spy. Whereas, but I'm really I, not whereas I always read it that Snape was like, oh, sorry, you know, I was just you know going to Dumbledore, Dumbledore and I were in a staff meeting when you came back and I couldn't run out of the room. It never occurred to me reading the canon, I never even thought on it, that Snape would actually tell Voldemort, Oh, just so you know, he thinks he knows I'm here. He thinks I'm spying for for him, whereas in reality, I'm spying for you. It never occurred to me that they might have that conversation. We don't I really, think they would. The evidence of that happening, I, I agree. By book six, it's pretty. I, I think you should be able to figure it out. Well, the but fact by book that five, Snape isn't dead at the beginning of, of the book order of the Phoenix shows that he convinced. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we don't, I'm saying. We don't know because how though. In Goblet of Fire, he says he's going to kill Snape for leaving him. And actually, yeah. it's a pretty stupid thing to actually say, because you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I've convinced Dumbledore that I'm really working for... Uh, Dumbledore, you know, is convinced I'm working for him when in reality I'm working for you, because then that, you know, begs the question, well, how do I know you're not lying to me? If you're that That's yeah. answer to the spec. Yeah. The, the, reason, the reason Voldemort trusts that Snape is telling him the truth and then Dumbledore is the truth is brought up in this fic and... Explained because I just thought it was great because when Harry's you know huddling behind the couch or in the case of Harry because he's being a bit of an idiot he's huddling behind like a ficus plant or something four <laughs> feet away from Lucius Malfoy when Snape starts going on and on about being a spy against Dumbledore Harry's like <gasps> and then that made me think <laughs> did he say that in the canon that I was forgetting what I heard then well keep in mind too in book five we don't actually know whether Snape's going to be good or evil that was a matter of debate who Snape was really spying for we, that's that's you know not known at the time this fic is written E.M. Snape's presume, pres, uh, assuming that correctly assuming, yeah okay yeah um, oh and oh, oh that's the thing I was going to say uh, oh yeah about Ron and Hermione and about not enough characters we can enter this out if you think it's too spoilerish but basically what I would say is in terms of our podcasts the first two podcasts are probably purposely Harry Snape and then Harry Snape Lucius those are the characters and the second half you can actually see the title of the chapter number 25 is back at Hogwarts and from there on he's back in the, the broader Hogwarts environment is it seriously going to take 25 chapters before Christmas is over <laughs> <laughs> we have the whole break I guess this makes up for all yeah. the fix. All the fix where like, they blow through two months in one chapter. Well, can I just point out like, this is the thing we are. Like I said when the podcast began, we are serial bitchers. In the first chapter, we're like, "What? <laughs> it begins when Harry's poisoned. You don't tell us who poisoned him. By the end of the sentence, he's Snape's son." <laughs> and you you rush through everything. Now we're like, honestly, your pacing is all off. You're taking too long. You're developing <laughs> ideas. WTF. <laughs> yeah, but what, what I think it is is that she, 
the story's supposed to be about Snape and Harry characters evolving and dealing with this issue. So she doesn't waste time, whether you think that's right or wrong, she doesn't waste time setting up the premise. She just plops the premise down. E.M. Snape is a she, correct? I I always assumed it was a she, actually. Because you've been calling E.M. Snape a she this entire podcast, and I just assumed you knew. Are you relatively sure that E.M. Snape is... is I don't actually know that. I've just been assuming, too, actually. that. So E.M. Snape could be a 44-year-old fireman named Larry? (laughs) We've been calling him she all this time? (laughs) Well, maybe he looks feminine like Harry. (laughs) I think it sounds sounds like a woman. A little miss... I'm I'm gonna... My, my sense, are, yeah, my sense is. I'm going to say it was, I'm going to say E.M. Snape is a woman, and if E.M. Snape is actually a man, I'm very so I'm very 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 sorry. And if E.M. <laughs> Snape's name is Elizabeth, perhaps E.M. Snape ships. You know, Mike P.S. Um, I am not E.M. Snape. Okay. I just. Dun, 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 dun. I or are you? Like, like my I thought, thought, real quiet I, yeah. I thought I wrote plaid serpent or whatever that one was. Plaid like serpent. <laughs> Do you listen to the damn podcast when it comes plaid up? Serpent. You are. See, she did write. Look at that plaid serpent. It's a Viridian slip. Yeah, I, I, I wrote what? it. A Viridian slip. What? Viridian. Oh, Viridian. He's he's broadcasting from the microwave again, but or the dryer. <laughs> okay, I have a point from chapter three. This may or may not be a very controversial moment. It's a Ron moment, bringing Ron back into it because we haven't had enough Ron. Ron criticizes Harry for attacking his shepherd's pie and tells him, I know the crust is a bit dry, but there's no need to go so vicious with your food. And I'm sitting there going, shepherd's pie does not have a crust. <laughs> and this annoyed me, the entirety of chapter The part that annoyed me. That the part that annoyed me was when Snape called Harry a drama queen. <laughs> Number one, because he turns. You know. But the other thing is, I'm like, I can't picture Snape saying "drama queen." Like, <laughs> I can't picture. Like, I'm waiting for Harry to get angry and Snape be like, "Talk to the hand." <laughs> you know I, mean? it's just like, I couldn't visualize drama queen. But like, has anyone here had a shepherd's pie? Seriously? Yes. yes. And does it have a crust? Yes. What sort of a, what what shepherd's well, pie have you been eating? Well, it's the, well, where the potatoes are at the top along the edge of the bowl. Yeah. Okay. Form, well, yeah. Oh my god! It have a not a crust. crust That's not a has, crust, huh? Well, a it's crust like the, is like pastry. Hard, well, no, it's, you know, you put, it doesn't have a pastry crust, but it has like the hardened potato layer. Oh, I'm thinking of chicken. I'm thinking of chicken pot pie. Yes, you are firing on all cylinders this evening. <laughs> I'm sorry. What kind of crappy shepherd's pie have you been eating where the mushrooms My mother's not a good cook. <laughs> My mother can't cook. <laughs> no, but it does. It has potatoes on top, and I always thought of the potatoes as crust. Yeah, well... Well, if you want a good shepherd's pie, go to Ireland, and there's a great little place on the side of a cliff about 100 miles from the Blarney Woolen Mill. Okay, I will. Right, hey... I make good shepherd's pie all by myself. I don't because need to fly. Sent I'm sent not me. flying to Australia. Send, send I flew seven hours to Ireland. I'll send you some pumpkin ice cream. Seven hours to Ireland. You would die trying to come here. <laughs> it's like 26. <laughs> but it won't crash. No, it won't crash because you can come via Qantas. Well, Qantas doesn't crash, but people are like hanging onto the wheels by the time the plane lands. It's... What? That is because Thailand is a crap at... at um, Maintenance. We don't what? have them maintained entirely. Qantas planes have never crashed. That's their record. But like pieces fall off as they fly. It's uh, just a, that 
us one time. One time. Yeah, one time. Well, we've got the planes to just overshoot the runway by like 100 miles and have to turn I, uh, Sorry, because I think I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> That was a flight. That was a flight. Oh, I, I get seasick. You get seasick and you won't fly in a plane. Yeah. We may never meet, Pierce. Oh, well. <laughs> Mike doesn't care. Mike's in the other room reading. Back on topic. My favorite Ron oh. and Hermione. Look at him. Okay. It's his we're, pick. If we're gonna All wrap, over it like a laser. If we're going to wrap up with Ron and Hermione, I just want to share my favorite Ron and Hermione line from the fix so far. Were they, so in, far. The fix so, were they in the fix so far? Well, uh, yeah, Rob Ron and Hermione has a notice of how much more cheerful he seemed. Only the latter thought to be concerned after a few days of his forced cheer. And that 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 just uh, seemed to be very Ron Hermione-ish on the bottom. You have like to read that. it again. I missed what you were talking about. Oh, it is just a random, the random line where it goes, Ron and Hermione even took notice of how much more cheerful he seemed. Only the latter thought to be concerned after a few days of his forced cheer. That's your oblivious oh, he was cheering charms on, wasn't he? Well, this is, is after he finds out Snape's his father, and he's, like, forcefully pretending everything's wonderful. Yeah, is, am I in the right fix? Did he give himself some cheering charms, or is that someone no. else? That I, think that was, I think that was Ginny a, in another There's actually. a Ginny gets addicted to cheering charms. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I'm thinking of Ginny and her cheering charms, yeah. That's, um, what's it called? And she, she actually acts one terrible. She gets addicted to cheering charms. Yes! I was reading she's, chapter 22 like, of Meaning. She's like a junkie. <laughs> it's so funny. Yes! She's a junkie with him. And, 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 Harry, it's, and Hermione, Hermione, like, pulls her aside and is like, Ginny, are you using cheering charms? Like, like, like she's <laughs> on drugs. <laughs> it's like an intervention. <laughs> what did yes, you think Minerva in this fic so far? Was Minerva in the fic? Yeah, she yeah. was there in the beginning. Yes, they had tea in her quarters. Yes, she, she does a lot. Actually, she's an intervention with Harry and and um, Dumbledore and Snape to get them all talking with one another again because Harry just has to face up to the fact that he's Snape's son. Poor Harry. Well, I love how they so, all talk to it when they give him the news. It's like they're basically telling him he has terminal cancer. They're like, Harry, we're so sorry. <laughs> you know Snape. what I did like about this thing, though. What's I that? liked about this. What, which part was it? It was near the end, and I can't tell you which. Oh, maybe if I look at my notes, I can tell you which chapter it was. Um, oh, I hate stupid house elf names. Minky is a stupid name for house elf. <laughs> um, amused that Harry is shorter, and then I found out why it's because he was malnourished, and I was no longer amused. I thought he was an idiot for trying to obliviate Snape. I'm like, Harry, you idiot. And then I'm like, why didn't Snape cast Protego instead of punching him in the face? Ah. Um, but the bit I liked was... Uh, chapter 11 or 12. I liked that Snape admitted Harry was a Gryffindor and not a Slytherin. Like, I like that he's not trying to go, oh, he's my son now, he must be a Slytherin, and trying to change him, because I don't like Slytherin Harry, so I like that Snape is willing to accept that Harry's a Gryffindor. And I well, hope I that this, he continues think, to accept that. I think he would be insulted if he had the notion that Harry was a Slytherin, because he still isn't thinking of Harry as his son yet. Yeah. But is he going to, like, I don't want him to change and thinking, oh, now I accept Harry as my son. Oh, he should be a Slytherin. I, I'm I mean, hoping he that really he stays. I'm hoping I, that he agrees. Well, we'll see. I, I think he'll be okay with that. Yeah, uh, I like that. What else do we have? So here's a question. Um, I don't want to dumb it. Actually, before I, can I say something or do we want to? You guys have some pressing points you want to bring up. I just wanted to point out no. Snape on Christmas gifts. He just doesn't get the whole thing. What's the question? <laughs> oh, well, speaking of Snape on Christmas, one, don't you love that uh, 
I love the line on a, where he goes, uh, Minerva had the nerve to suggest that uh, she sent him presents because she believed he's lonely. He goes, like, lonely indeed. If his fellow Death Eaters of the Dark Lord were taken into account, he had far more intimate ties with a far greater number of acquaintances than any of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's I like that Trelawney said him. I like that Trelawney said him. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome. I love that bit. Grave Dumbledore like, sends him a cardigan every year or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Here, like... Snake, have a pensive. Understand why I did what I did. I can watch it, but that doesn't mean I like it. He's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Snape is like, this is wonderful. He sent me a, a video of all my embarrassing memories as a teenager. <laughs> I hate this man so badly. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he knows how to break the glamour so fast, though, is because he sees how it's cast. Then right. that's that yeah. is important. Side note: that if you're wondering why at first he can't break the glamour easily, and then later on he seems to break it instantaneously, it's because he he sees how it was cast by Dumbledore in the memory. Oh yeah, I got that bit, and I liked that bit. I liked that it had to be undone a little bit at a time. <laughs> but I, but I also did like stupid because she couldn't do it because she couldn't undo his eyes. And she's like, oh, Dumbledore, you've got to fix the big fat mess I made. Instead of being honest and telling everyone in my life what really happened, you have to fix my mistakes. <laughs> Stupid witch. Wow. <laughs> That'd be great if she called Dumbledore up. Dumbledore, I tried to put a glamour on Harry and I turned him into a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I turned him into a man. <laughs> uh, Help! Harry. Yeah, the, the line I read about the Death Eaters, I, I thought it was kind of funny, but I also think it's kind of telling about Snape's character. That, you know, I think we're meant to see Snape at this point as this very isolated guy. Like, he's talking about, like, well, they say I have no friends, but really, I talk with the Dark Lord of the Death Eaters all the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're missing the point. Those aren't really your friends. Uh, yeah, like, I'm in with all these people. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but I think it's yeah, but it, wouldn't it be like, wouldn't it be like, you know, um, you got your kid who's running off the rails and they're hanging out with all the bikies and everything and, and, and you're a concerned parent, teacher, whoever, you know, the school counsellor, you call them into the office and I'm concerned about you, Tommy. You're, you're hanging out with the bad people. You, you don't have any good friends. And, of course, Tommy in his head is thinking, dude, i got good friends, man. I hang out with the biker guys every weekend and we, you know, do do skids on the road and we, we hang out, we burn rubber and we go around and bash up little old ladies and we're good, you know, I've got good friendships here and he can't see how the school counsellor is going, you really, you know, you're not connecting with anybody and, you see, know, I it's like it, that. I read it more like, um, that's not quite how I read it because in that case they actually really are friends. I, I, I guess maybe it's how I think of... No, uh, they're not. But then you, you could, the, I, biker I, guy, the biker guy is not really friends with little Tommy. Well, he thinks they're friends, but they're like not. But he, in his head, he's thinking, yeah, we're good mates. Are you saying Snape doesn't think that he's good mates? With I, 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 guess, I guess I thought of it more like the. I guess maybe I'm reading it. But to me, it's more. It was more the equivalent of like, um, let's say Ryan's coworker, and like who he only talks to while he's at work, and then you go like, Ryan, how come you have no friends? You never socialize. He's like. Well, I socialize all the time. My person next door in the cubicle to me, Larry. And uh, the person down the hall for me by the bathroom is Peter. I see him every morning, and I say hello as I walk by. Larry's my BFF. <laughs> That's kind of how I read it. Like, these people who, like, they're not even... Like, 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 you have, like people at work who, like, he only socializes with when he's at work. Like, how do, what does he socialize yeah, with Voldemort? Lucius <laughs> came over to his house and started talking to him about corn galleons and, and threadbare rugs. I mean, they're, they're bonding. <laughs> 
third time. That'd it's not awful. all about killing the baby. They're, they're you know, if, if Snape went to his death either meeting and they started treating him like Milton from Office Space, like, yeah, we need you to move your stuff into the basement, I think he would literally snap. I make a prediction <laughs> that Buster and Kez is going to do in the next week. Snap. I, I bet yeah, she's gonna snap. I, be, I bet you, Ryan, she's gonna come. She's gonna send you Skypes full of cursing and screaming like three times in the I've next week. Done that. We I did believe, that the other day. Three that. times as much as you have. Like you're gonna flip out in the next like. That's five how Ryan chapters. spent the last few days of his honeymoon listening to me whinge about reading. Oh, I forgot to say this earlier. So I'm on my honeymoon, and I'm and like, okay. <laughs> I, let's just go on the internet. We'll log in. Oh we'll just, yeah, we got see, distracted by the Because I, I left Kaz in charge, and I get onto Puffwap, and literally the op- the headline on Puffwap is "Nobody Panic." <laughs> the forum will one day come back. Chat <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook. Ryan will be home in a few days. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Um. Oh, I should share this with you. What I wrote the other day, Mac. Um, was it, I think it was Mac. Um, let me just call it up that I have here. Someone was asking why I was... Oh, that's right. Scarlett asked why I had gone insane. And this was my reply. Where is it? I went insane during the Great Honeymoon Incident of 2009 when Ryan left me in charge and forgot to give me all the keys to the kingdom. So not only was Mr. Kezer in hospital for nearly a week, I had to wander into the men's area with a blindfold to restore a missing board. I also had to organise a Halloween podcast, nearly approved a spammer, had to decipher the tone of certain posts and decide if we wanted to cut them off at the knees or let them live and fix the crash twice without the right set of keys. At one point, only Sue could get in using my secret keys and Richard had to break down the back door using a password. And Sue and I spent 20 minutes looking for, only to find out Firefox was holding it hostage. And now we had the whole time, we just needed a map to get it out. And I had to change my password twice. And now I keep forgetting what it is. Then Ryan wouldn't take his hat back. So the other day I lost my marbles, did a nana and shoved it back in his general direction, took my hat back from Sue and went quietly insane in the corner while trying to write my thesis in three weeks. Why did you <laughs> say I wouldn't take my hat back? I just forgot to take my hat back. I would gladly have taken the hat back if I knew you wanted me to take the hat back. It sounds more dramatic if I say it that way. Come oh, on. Okay. Well, then the other thing was, I explained, I left the password with Gen 2. I did not know she would get sick. Jen too went to sleep. The forum crashed, and Keza and I were the only ones in the world who were awake. And she gets up and she's like, dude, why didn't you tell me all of this was going on? I'm like, you've been missing in action because you've had the flu. She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I haven't seen you. And she's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Why didn't anyone call me? The thing that makes me nervous is I'm pretty sure the password that uh, that everyone has is also, like, my PIN number and stuff. So I should really Thanks for telling um, me that. Yeah, but the other, what was the other thing too? Well, then everyone went. Then I came back. I'm like, I am in charge. I am back. And then I realized, holy shit, I'm jet lagged. So I went to bed. As soon as I went to bed, the forum crashed again. So then Keza, who was now <laughs> acting headmistress again, had to have Richard fix the forum. I'm still so Richard- wearing the hat. It crashes. P.S. And Sue were like, Keza, Keza, the forum's crashed. I'm like, I'm on it. I'm like, Richard. And he's like, I'm on it. <laughs> and he's like, going in the back door. He's like, and then he's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know if you should do that. He's like, nope, I'll just do it because Ryan will just tell me to do it anyway. I'm like, okay, I'm hoping he doesn't kill me when you finish. So he updates yeah, the forum, Ryan right? gets up the sh- morning. He goes, like, what did you do to the forum? <laughs> Well, I logged in, and I noticed the banner was missing, and all the colors were gone. I'm like, Keza? 
stuff. Well, you know what I did, which was really <laughs> stupid. I, I shouldn't even say this because I told Jen too, and she made. I think I told Jen too. She made fun of me for a while. Maybe what it was PS. But I shouldn't even say what I did with the forum while you were away. What did you do? Well, you do? somehow I I had to reset all my links on my computer. And you know that banner of you and Danielle um, in your <laughs> marriage banner? Yeah. 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 yeah well, <laughs> well, somehow that became uh, under my link for Potterfic Weekly. Instead of it linking the me- the uh, forums or the central message, you know, like the, the place where all the podcasts are posted, the webpage, it linked just that banner. So I kept opening the forums and thinking it was down because all that would pop up was the banner of Ryan and Danielle. And I'm waiting for like weeks, like compulsively clicking this thing, waiting for the forums to come back on. Cause all I'm getting is this stupid <laughs> picture of Ryan and Danielle on it. Until finally, it was either, it was either PS or Gentry, I can't remember which. I'm like, come on, it's been a week. When are the forums going to be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, all I see is Danielle and Ryan every time we open them. Yeah, that was definitely Jen. Because if you had said that to me... No, the thing I thought was hysterical was during the Great Puffle Blackout. During the Great Puffle Blackout, I got the message from Jen on day three. It was like a... It's like, you know how sometimes you get a message from Jen and you open it and it's 73 pages and you're like, oh God, we're going to talk about our feelings today, aren't we? And you start reading it and there's this whole message on why she feels awful that she hasn't been on the forum very much because, you know, she had a baby and Lee and, and motherly and hormones and, and you know, your she biological... She had a baby and Lee? She had a baby... <laughs> well, no, she had the baby was issue one, Lee taking care of him issue two, her biological clock was... T- all, like, like her innermost feelings, all this stuff, and it ended with it. I don't think it was... I know I haven't been around a lot, but I don't think you had to suspend from the she thought I suspended her and that was what like only <laughs> and I'm like no Jen it's actually down worldwide no one I can't get in and then Mike sent me the same thing Ryan did you suspend me from <laughs> well this was like like the great was it the great it wasn't even April Fools was it where's like she became a Hufflepuff remember oh, that was fiasco? oh god and I got on the train it's and then Richard <laughs> yelled at me oh god and everybody thought it was on it was for serious and like I was the only person on the planet that knew you were Kidding and, and, and then Jen's like, I'm gonna kid more with it. Well, then, thank God Mike was here for that because Mike's like, dude, everyone, this is really serious. This is deathly serious. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> like serious post, like, how dare you, Ryan? How you crossed the line this time? <laughs> but no one could hear the laughter in your voice, and they're like, that bastard to me. And like, so then I'm like screaming at Jen in the middle of the Grand Central Station, fix it. Backside my phone went dead, so I'm screaming to my. It was awful. <laughs> I was like, everyone. It was my fault because I put this series. Like, no one was taking it seriously until I responded to Jen's post being like. And everyone took it too seriously. How dare you, Ryan? I, I, you're overstepping your bounds. I'm asking the Wizen Gamer to strip you of your powers and turn the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the day that Mac returned. Nobody remembers. <laughs> I remember because you took away my head boy status and gave it to him. I did. I did do that. I did do that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's right. Back on topic, though. We got a little sidetracked here. <laughs> yes, yes. What else we got? We were going to talk about Ron and Hermione, or did we do that already? Because they're in the fifth. <laughs> they're like, exhausted. They're only in like two paragraphs. They're, they're in two paragraphs. <laughs> and I, think we, we, I think we discussed them fluently. Well, I'm hoping Draco shows up because then the two pretty boys can hang. <laughs> <laughs> So, I just, I just kind of wanted to show up because then maybe there'll be another, like a 
an additional character, so then maybe we can have three characters in the story. Yeah, three right. <laughs> oh, there's the house elf. Don't don't sell poor little Minky shot, man. Well, I'm so I don't like Minky because in because in one of Linus' fights, wasn't the the house elf called like June or something? It was like or like. <laughs> it bothers me more when house elves have normal names than when they have not. Because I mean, it bothers like me when like we have Dobby and we have Winky. And so it bothers me when there's suddenly a house elf called, like, Creature. Mm-hmm. We have Creature. Why has every house elf got to end with an E on the end? Minky, winky, dinky, winky, flinky. Why do all the shouting names in and about? Like, think of a more original house elf name. Like, I love Creature. Creature's awesome. It's like, people, I think there are some fix that can do this where they, uh, author, fic author, well, scrub that. There are some authors that can do this and can think up fantastic names the way Joe did. And there are some that just are bad at it. Minky's alright, I think. I have no problems with Minky. Uh, so far, I'm going on the Minky, I'm like, eh. There's I mean, it's not, it's not like, oh my god, bro. Like, what's the, that doesn't mean anything. Pick a good name, you know? Like, they should all have name code names, like Secret Service code names or something, all the house elves. I think that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what they well, would like be. Well, like, Red but... Eye 1, Red Eye 1, and yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like Dobby could be Red Eye, or like, you know, like, I don't know. Well, they're, I have no idea. Maverick, go, go Top Gun, Maverick, and Iceman. <laughs> I'm thinking of West Wing right now. Bob Russell is so boring. His Secret Service code name is Bob Russell. <laughs> hey, there's a thing. There's a thing that Harry had a code name. I don't know what it is, but he had this like really. Weird I read code one name. where his code name was Raven. That's it. Yes. There, okay. I've read that one too. Oh, I, and Ruby. At one point, I think there's a fic out there. Ginny's Ginny's code name is Ruby, I think, or someone's so, code name is Ruby. As pathetic, anyway. I just got. If, I remember. I um, I'm really, really sorry. But. Well, I remember from the West Wing, CJ got all pissed. Claudia, um, Allison Janney, who's like a six foot two actress, was her character was pissed because she found out her secret her secret service code name was Flamenco. She got all pissed off because she hated being called Flamenco. <laughs> So, can I read some of my favorite lines, just random samplings from this chapter that I, that I thought of as a good thing? Go for it. So, so one, of them, one of mine is uh, Snape, black, greasy hair, enormous hooked nose, and disdainful sneer. In Gryffindor, in Harry's room, he could swear he had a nightmare about this once. I kind of like that. It's a good line. Solid line. I like it. Um. Oh, then, when we were talking about how the potion... Um, shrinks Harry. Something I liked about that is his line about how he takes it as a personal affront because James Potter beats him yet again. That that, it, <laughs> that his son is smaller than he would have been if he'd been James' son. <laughs> yeah. Like, James beats me yet again. He takes it personally. <laughs> takes it personally. My kid is short. It's all James Potter's fault. <laughs> again. <laughs> what? Um, you philandering bad. Well, I love how he refers to Harry. <laughs> As the the Snape bastard during much of the early chapters, yeah, <laughs> he does. It's like yeah. it's it's like he doesn't realize he's insulting himself. It's, it's <laughs> like it's like your mother doing a your mama joke to you. It is there. There is. I, I wish I had it copied down. There's this classic bit where Snape's insulting J, uh, his, James, but he's saying your father to Harry. He's like your father was a coward too, and, 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 he, and, he, and he like has this. And, and Harry's looking at him like in the story, in the in the thing. Harry's like looking at him like he's crazy. And Snape goes, "Why is the Potter boy looking at me like this?" Oh, wait, yes, I'm his father. 
It's, it's like I'm being reminded of the moment where Darth Vader unveils his Luke Skywalker's paternity at the moment. It's like that. You know, you've got poor little Luke there going, I'm going to save the universe. I am on the side of good and Yoda has taught me well. Luke, I am your father. Oh, damn. <laughs> hey, there's Darth Vader right there on the line. Ryan, say that line. You sound, you sound like Darth Vader. Hey, you guys hear me, sir? Wow. Luke, I am your father. Luke, Luke I, am, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> you just sound like a Dalek saying that. Why do I sound like a Dalek? It's funny, who cares who it sounds like? Emergency. I know they don't say that. I think it's emergency. And you call yourself an emerging Dr. Foo hat. Dr. <laughs> that's like that's like Mike. Mike was calling it Doctor Finn. Uh, I meant to say Doctor Who fan, not Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> and Lord Cleaver. <laughs> Something I thought that's interesting that Kez said. Kez is joking. Can we have a moment? Can we have emergency? Emergency. Kez is joking. <laughs> I just gotta get a drink. <laughs> Something interesting though My that I thought <laughs> that I thought Keza didn't mention. And this is interesting because Keza, you, you guys talked a little bit about Snape physically beating Harry, and you talk about him poisoning Harry, and Keza's complained about him locking Harry up. But to me, actually, those aren't even the worst things Snape does to Harry in this. The worst things are the words he says to Harry, almost, in all honesty. Like, you have these lines where he goes, to read you just a couple, stupid, stupid irresponsible, arrogant boy. Uh, I'm sickened. I'm ashamed. It's enough. To, it's not enough to kill your godfather. You hope to cons- you know, to send me to St. Mungles with Gildery Lockhart. And then later he goes, and poor Sirius Black, Snape said, his voice suddenly adopting mock tenderness, a part of Harry froze in dreadful anticipation of what was sure to follow. Twelve years he spent rotting in Azkaban, longing for his beloved godson, only to be killed because the little brat decided to play the hero. Snape was smiling again, though his words remained vicious. What would Black have said if he'd known it wasn't James Potter's son he was dying for? Do you think he would have lifted a finger to save your miserable hide if he'd known you were the snivelest bastard? Um... I agree that that is a very mean, and that's what I'm talking about. Snape is a mean, nasty piece of work here. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Snape is mean and nasty. The thing with um, <clears throat> the physical violence, though, is that could have killed Harry. As bad as the words are, it's not going to kill him. And Harry's already thinking that himself. And so it is very bad because it just, you know, but, but it's... But what would happen would be, oh, more emo Harry. Oh, yeah, he's right. Snape is right. I am terrible and bad. Oh, no. You think Snape would realize that would be giving ammunition to Dumbledore? He would come back with the corpse of Harry Potter, Dumbledore. You see, I told you you were an unfit parent. But see, I, I do think it's as bad, but it just it didn't strike out at me because it's not going to kill Harry, and Harry was already doing it to himself. So to me, that... In, in the context of this fic, it ended up negating it for me. Whereas when Harry's got scratch marks on his throat and a black eye, I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's not enough. That, because Snape has always been very nasty with words to Harry. What would All the time. Snape said? himself in the fic says that this particular talent of his. What would, what would Sirius, Sirius have so, said? What? What would Sirius have said? 
if he had known that Harry was actually the spawn of Snape. I honestly don't know. I think that Snape uh, Sirius would have had a really hard time with that. But on the other hand, he's he's in the same position as Harry in that all this time he's thought of the child as James. Harry has looked like James and has been in his mind as James's son. So Sirius would have probably almost as hard of a time reconciling that as Harry would because he's built him up all that time in Azkaban. Harry was the only thing he had to hold on to right. as his godson, not just as James's son, but as his godson. And so, he knew Harry for those first 15 months and would have been very involved in his life, and he had a real connection to that child, whoever's child it was. Mm-hmm. I think Sirius would have been annoyed and frustrated, but I think ultimately he would still love Harry in the end because he loves that child. He would just have a long battle to get to that point. Back to that point, I think. I think he, I think you're right. I think he would have ended up doing the right thing. But when Snape was saying that to Harry, my reaction was, you know what? That's not actually that far off. I think. I yeah. Serious. Like, I don't think the Weasleys would care. Hermione or Ron. Well, Lupin. Mind, Lupin. Uh, Lupin, I think, would be better with it. Because that's actually yeah, because Lupin obviously was come the one off. who nearly killed Snape down at the. the you know, he yeah. he Lupin carries all the guilt from that incident from himself. Right. Whereas I don't think Sirius has any guilt from that incident, and I think Lupin took it all on. Plus, and Lupin's very... prepared for bed. Well, Lupin at this point would probably be a little pissy with Harry for sleeping with his woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kept thinking. I'm like, she oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god! I just thought what? of it. The sequel, many years later, when when Tonks and, and Remus are playing with little Teddy. <laughs> Remus will know this. The Teddy has a glamour on him because of that one time. The one time Tonks was with another man. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Harry. Teddy's really a potter. Or a Snape or whatever the hell. Oh my god, no. <laughs> Show of hands. Who thinks you're a father? Teddy is room? the glamoured son of a glamoured father. I wonder, ooh, I wonder if... See, like, okay, so if Harry had managed to father a child, if when the glamour was still on, it would come out, it would, would it come out looking like, like Snape was the grandfather of it, or would yes. it come out with the glamour on it? I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a glamour on the sperm. <laughs> I think it does. No, because it's the same. If he's wearing a little Miss, little Miss Snape, he's wearing Harry armor that protects him from being sunburned. But little Miss Snape's sperm comes from deep within inside him under the glamour. So the sperm would be Snape. That wouldn't that like. that would be an interesting story. Like if this if the if the in blood only universe was like still canon, but like the fic hadn't happened, it would be interesting if the first time they found out that Snape was Harry's father was when Harry's children looked like Snape. Yeah, little James Potter's born, and Ginny's going, you know, Harry. I swear, I didn't have sex with anyone else. This kid does not look like you. <laughs> if you think about it logically, what probably happened is Ginny would be blamed for. Cheating on Harry. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's sex He's been dead for 19 years. Honestly, would anyone believe her that she didn't cheat on Harry? That exactly. Jenny has a kid who looks like Snape. Well, you must actually be. Yeah. She'll cast a little charm on James. She'd mess up his eyes. Oh, stuff it. I'll just leave him brown like mine. <laughs> would that be a, wouldn't that be a great sitcom where everyone has a kid, but everyone's kid looks like someone else? <laughs> no, think of this. Yeah, so so Harry would get both Ginny and Tonks pregnant. Both of the kids would look like Snape, and no one could figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> 
And Snape's just turning his grave. To finish up on the Tonks huh? storyline, though, um, do you think Snape should have handled... Well, not, obviously, I think we all agree Snape should have handled Tonks differently in that he shouldn't... Or I, I guess what I'm getting at, do you think Snape should have lied about what he that he was going to report to Tonks? Like, what do you think of the whole, like, Harry then discovers that really Snape was just lying this whole time about reporting Tonks and... You know, like like the resolvement of the Tonks issue towards the end of these chapters. Well, it's weird because I and I will actually take back what I said before. I, I said the thing before where Harry did the whole "I think I love her" thing, and that I said that was just being teenage drama queen. But you know what? Maybe he does have <laughs> strong. Well, no, because he said, you know what? You couple... told Snape off for calling him a drama queen. You just called him a drama. I did. Queen. Well, I can say it. Snape can't. But you know what? It's like maybe Harry does have strong feelings for her, and maybe his thought is like because then he's like, okay, fine, I'll break up with her, whatever. But then he's thinking to himself, you know what? I'll be seventeen in a few months, and he can't stop me then, and we can wait, and blah blah blah. I don't know, but the, the whole relationship just seems a little. I. I was coming at it from a pers- the perspective of because I'm going to be a teacher next year and I've just done my training about what to do in this exact situation. And to me, I'm sitting there going, Snape, you're a bad, bad teacher. You didn't follow the rules. You didn't call the line, the helpline. You didn't report her. <laughs> because the training that I've just had is even a suspicion, you report it so that it starts building up the case file, even if nothing can be proved. If you've had it. Because, because how's he going to explain it? Because, but, well, because one, he can't tell him how he what where suspicion comes from. He'd have to lie about that because he can't say. Harry you know, said he, something. He can lie about right. that. But Harry the, but said the flip something. Side is, he, he can't even let out that he's with Harry. He's not supposed to be with. No one's supposed to know he's with. It could Harry. be anonymous. These lines, these are child abuse report lines, are anonymous. I think you're giving too much so, credit to the visiting government too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm just saying. That's I'm the, coming from it. From this perspective where I've just been taught all about how to report suspicion of child abuse and the whole legal system that we have in my state where I could get $10,000 fine for not saying something, right? Because I'm a mandatory notifier. And so I'm looking at it through that lens. I'm going, Snape did it all wrong. And then on top of that, he lied to his kid about it. Like, this will teach him a lesson. I'm like, that is such bad parenting. <laughs> that you're, you know, that you're a liar. He'll never believe you when he figures it out. So the title, this should you be like, know? How Not to Be a Parent. Severus. It's, instead of dealing with the issue properly, you know, sex at stages, you know, this, and you're handing out the condoms and giving the safe sex lecture and talking about why... Please don't ask Mike to give the same sex, the, the, the safe sex. <laughs> about the same sex lecture. You know? <laughs> I still but, think Because I'm Harry's right. going, it was me, I kissed her, and he doesn't yet understand. You know, I'm thinking, as a parent, you've got to make him understand, well, Tonk still did the wrong thing. And he's just going, yeah, I'm going to report it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make him think I did, because that'll teach him. That'll teach him. Snape, this is the wrong way to do it. You're a bad parent. You're a terrible teacher. It's all wrong. Well, for that matter, this is something you guys, I really want to hear your thoughts on this. This is like a major facet of the story. Maybe I'm giving something away and saying it's a a major part of the story coming forwards. Maybe you want to edit it. I don't know. You'll tell me if you want to edit it out. But none of you have mentioned the fact that Snape's letting Harry read through a dark magic book about blood curses. But he thinks he wants to get the Dursleys back, and Snape agrees with him. Is that what you guys think? No, he wants to get back at Bellatrix, because I read the fic, and I know that that's what's in Harry's head. Is that Harry what well, he, oh, he could. Well, who else would he be trying to blow up? It'd either be Bellatrix, Snape himself. Well, it's a blood relative, right? Because it's a curse for, for blood and kinship. So Snape automatically thinks, oh, Dursleys have abused him, he wants to do it to him. But he I'm actually... Snape hasn't, or 
I, if I were Snape, my first thought would be he wants to get me. Yeah. Well, that's why he banned him from it initially. He, that was his first thought. He, and he then banned him from the library. And then when he found out how the Dursleys treated him during the, the opiate incident, then he gets his kid drugs. I mean, come on, this parent is awful parent. This is how, oh, gosh. Anyway, and then he gives him back the book because he thinks that he wants to do it to the Dursleys. But his first instinct is that Harry wants to do something bad to him. He says that. That's why bans him. But my question is, what role do you think this book's actually going to play, if anything? And what do you th- who, who do you think Harry actually means it for? Like, your predictions, looking forward. He said he wanted it for Bellatrix. Whether or not he still wants it for Bellatrix, I don't know. I don't think he'll bother with the Dursleys. I think, I think he might use it on the Malfoys, maybe. Right. Oh, actually, something Keza just said. It could be... I think it will be... Actually, it could be anyone, because isn't Harry related to everybody now, because they're all inbred? (laughs) (laughs) It could be anyone. He's related to everybody in the room. (laughs) He's related to everyone in the story so far. They're they're inbred. It could be be anyone. Where's this story where he... There's a story I was reading, I can't remember what it was, where he's... uh, Draco is the last best hope for a blood potion... That Harry needs, and they have to convince Draco to, to give it up <laughs> to save oh. Harry. Oh, I, I can't remember. There's a there's a fic out there. I, I read so many fics, but there's one, and um because Draco is they're all the way, they're all related. So, and they have to convince Draco help save. So what Harry's do you think? Life. So, and the other thing, I guess I want. The, the, I purposely ended the chapters here because we start almost sort of a a new stage of the story now that Lucius is here, and it's not a dynamic. Of just Harry and Snape, it's going to be in the next section to be Harry, Snape, Lucius dynamic. What, what do you think? Oh, don't say it that way. I, I don't oh. mean anything. What, what do you think I'm implying? <laughs> no, I don't think you're implying anything. Don't it just say it to PS. You might not know what we're talking about. <laughs> my, my question, anyway, is, is, is what are you expecting from Lucius in this story? What are you expecting in the next podcast, particularly? I'm assuming it won't have anything to do with balancing the family chain. I'm expecting a threesome. No, you're not. (laughs) I am expecting Snape to have to carefully and creatively explain away Harry's existence as some long-lost niece, nephew, cousin. (laughs) A niece. This is is my niece, little Miss Snape. And so, first, Snape is going to have to creatively explain Harry's existence, and then Harry is going to have to act so as not to make Lucius suspicious, and then Lucius is going to be suspicious anyway, and then Draco's going to start wondering because he wants to get to know this person, you know, because he's intrigued when Draco's Daddy not brings there. the story. No, Daddy brings home the story, and Draco's like, hmm, I wonder if I would like this person. He has a crush on <laughs> Little Miss Snape. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're going to put all the glamours back and Harry is going to go back to Hogwarts and he's going to be all emo and Ron and Hermione are going to go, what is wrong with you? And Harry will be like, I'm fine. I miss and- my eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be looking at Draco out of the corner of his eye going, 
hmm, we're related, but that shouldn't stop me. Yeah, you just caught, <laughs> totally got off on the wrong tangent here, guys. Hold on, you're telling us we're going off on the wrong tangent? Some of the predictions <laughs> you've had over the years? No, okay, seriously, back to it. I think the Snape is going to have to come up with a creative way to explain Harry's presence, and Lucius may or may not buy it. And then they're going to... Because if Chapter 25 is before they return to Hogwarts... I don't know. There's going to be a lot of time. You know, is Harry going to spend the whole time looking like Little Miss Snape, or is he going to get to go back? Because he can't. Because if, is Lucius there to stay? Like, is Lucius there for the holidays? Like, I don't know why Lucius is there. But the longer the Lucius stays, the longer Harry has to stay as Little Miss Snape. Well, he is probably so hiding out there because he he's has supposed to, to pretend. Be an yeah. yeah to oh, okay. Yeah, so Harry's that, that's have why to... Snape says he's so angry because he's a runaway prison person, and he comes to Snape's house because it's the one acquaintance he has where the Ministry won't look because he's not an accused. You know, he's been See, clear. See, just thinks Snape is an acquaintance, whereas Snape thinks he's his friend. BFF. <laughs> no, I think uh, that Harry's gonna, they're going to have to pretend to like each other because of Lucius, because he's, Snape is going to have to say how Harry is like this relative. But if he looks like Lily, this could be the other problem. What if Lucius realizes that this, you know, little Miss Snape looks actually a lot like Lily? Will Lucius pick that up? See, there's a. But I think that Harry's going to have the challenge of. Here's what I bet. I not bet acting that, like. I bet that Lucius will think that little Miss Snape is Snape's child, but he may not draw the like the Lily connection, and he. But I think he would think that the way that. Little Miss Snape suddenly appeared out of nowhere. He still might think that he's his Ill- illegitimate child because it's yeah. Like, this Harry is Potter's stepsister. <laughs> all right, all right, we killed the gender joke, um, Ryan. <laughs> Look at Mike; he's getting very upset with us right now. Yes, what <laughs> predictions? Predictions. Um, I think you said earlier tonight that yes, where it's going. Do you think? You no, no. predictions. Give me some predictions here, Ryan. Give you some predictions here. I think that Harry- Lucius. Both with Lucius and in general, where the story's going. Where is the story going? I think Harry and Snape will become BFFs. I think Harry will determine what role James had in his life. And I'm sorry, I do think that Harry will have to go undercover as the ch- the other child of Snape. And the eyelashes are what threw it over for me. What about, where do you think the Lucius, like this next podcast, what are you expecting to happen? This hmm. coming podcast? I don't know. Honestly, um, Snape and and Malfoy seem to be going off each other kind of like little old ladies, so I'm not putting it past me that they would do some serious checkbook balancing and possibly buy a new carpet. Yeah, I was going to say, they might redecorate the parlor. (laughs) And find Harry to his room where he has to eat moldy old bread and stomach-churning soup brought to him by Minky, the house elf. While Lucius and Snape redecorate the parlor and make it into a love nest. And this podcast has been brought to you by the word wank and the number four. <laughs> the no, number the, three. Three? Well, number three. one is the loneliest number that there ever was. But one no, the not they're going to they're gonna have a threesome. You were just trying to make up for the fact that you missed wank and rub. I am not. I, I am. An, I am. Absolutely I don't believe yes, you're serious. Whack. Whack. I think she knows what, what kind of word is whack? Whack. Right. whack enough. Uh, no, have a have a lovely Happy evening, day. everybody. I think Happy yes, was just playing you, Ryan. I don't think she was serious. <laughs> I think she just didn't hear what you said. I Thank think you, she Mike. just. Played. 
for having confidence in me. I have confidence in P.S. My little bells are going. I have confidence. Oh, I, I did say goodbye. Everyone, y'all, good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, I think you can so say we all. Oh, okay, on three, everyone say so say we all. One, two, three. So, so say we so all. Say we all right, all. Why, why don't we try that again? One. No, let's do the old three, two, one, click. On click, okay. so say we all. Okay. Three, two, one, click. So say we so all. Say we all. all right. It's important <laughs> when when you would expect me to say click, that's when you should be saying so say we all out loud, okay? So three, two, one, so say we all. Right, right? Three, two, one, so say so we all. Say Why am I the only one saying so say we all? I said it. it! I don't know what, what the hell we're talking you? about. Oh, I think I know what it is. Okay, let's do it one more time. Three, two, one, so, so say, say we, we all. all. Three, two, one. So, so, so hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Hi to your friendly neighborhood editor. And once again, we have a peon cast with a missing track, so it will be very interesting to piece this together. And once again, it seems that Scott can't hear what's going on, so he's getting gibberish and quietness, so he's not speaking either. This is going to be a really fun podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. Well, um, welcome to Peoncast. I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And I'm Don. And we have Kayla duct taped in the corner. And today we are going to review Fortune by Antosha, which is one of the F series, but it's a little it's a little different because it is thirty years after the original series. Which makes it just that tiny bit different, obviously. Yeah. Right. Kayla says she forgot about that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to forget that part. <laughs> How could you forget that part? <laughs> <laughs> why are they broken? Why is why is Harry's daughter getting married? And they haven't. When did they get a daughter? <laughs> right, <laughs> with the third one. Well, Harry's daughter Lily is getting married. Nice. <laughs> but they've run into a little bit of a problem. Yeah, it's the same problem that. Most people run into when they have a daughter getting married. <laughs> now, let's be fair. They make it much, much worse than most people have. That's true. It's all Harry's fault. Yeah, it is. It is Harry's fault. Nothing but the best. <laughs> yeah, but... Yes, but when that includes Stonehenge... Stonehenge. I mean, come on. <laughs> that, that just seems a bit extreme. Yeah. It's going to be an extravagant wedding. If they can afford it. There's only one problem. No money. Yeah. Oh, dear. I don't know what happened. Somehow they ran out. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not entirely made clear how. They just did one day. I think it's very interesting that he wants the wedding not only to be at Stonehenge, but he wants it to be on Midsummer's Night. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. 
Yeah, especially... I mean, that's muggle-repelling charms galore. There's all the pagans who go there on Midsummer's Nights. Right. It's huge. But I think he's he's covered that he's uh, not as, not as rich, rich as he thought, thought he was. And they do kind of tell you how it got there, because it seems like they're trying to keep what's left in the vault, kind of in reserve, and they're trying to live on their salaries and things like that. And being an aura doesn't pay very much. Even as a department head. Jenny has a... Being a journalist. Yeah. Well, they do, they do say that the vault is a shadow of what it once was, right. which means it's, you know, has less in there now, so... Right, but they're maintaining four houses. They are maintaining four Well, houses. no, they aren't, they aren't maintaining four houses. I think they have four different houses. They're owning four houses, they aren't maintaining them. Well... I mean, I presume the people living in them are putting up some money for maintenance. I don't think so. Well, maybe... F- for maintenance, but they're paying for everything. They aren't living in the houses. It's explicitly said who's living in the houses. Right. He's being all kind to everyone. Touchy feeling. Right. So they're trying to figure out how they can raise the money to pay for this this wedding at Stonehenge. And well, and first, let's say because we didn't mention it that Roger Davies is their solicitor. Right. And he's been trying to tell them since the beginning that it's going to be extravagant and they don't have enough money. They can't afford it. Right. And Harry's like, I don't care. It's not just I don't care. It's I don't care. I've got money somewhere. Yeah. Right. Until eventually it's brought to his attention that no, he doesn't have the money anywhere. So why do you think Harry's doing this? Because Harry is crazy. If his daughter has to get married, then she has to have literally the best. So he won't cut down on any expenses. They're trying to figure out, they can't sell the Shrieking Shack because that's where Lily and Lysander are going to live. Yeah, you you can't sell the wedding gift. No, you can't sell the the wedding. Okay, hang on a minute. Scott? Can you hear us? Scott? Scott? Can you hear me now? And he still can't hear us. Um, Grimald Place. Except that selling Grimald wouldn't make any money. So they can't sell the wedding present, and they suppose they can find a smaller house in Grimald, because that's where, they're, that's where they live. Uh, the, the farm on Fisark is where Dudley and um, Pravati live, so that leaves his parents' house in Godric's Hollow. And that's going to be gut-wrenching to sell. Right, and so they're going to go look at it again. They visit it for one last time. Right. There's a house. I'm a rose garden, which I never got to the first time. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Because, hey, they got distracted. That little snogging section. Well, um, it was more. It's implied it was more. <laughs> right. So they're going to go look at Godric's Hollow. They tell Roger to go ahead and fill out all the paperwork and that they'll come by the next day to sign it. Well, you still have to... It's going to take a few, you know, a day at least to... Get the paperwork done. Oh, which always means... No, you won't. <laughs> You ever bought a house? You know, whenever you read something like that, it's, it's, no, you won't. Something will happen. Yeah. Have you ever bought a house? Hey, do you know how long it takes for the paperwork to be, to be brought up? Trust me on this. <laughs> but you always know that they're not going to come back and sign it. It's just not going to happen at that point. I know, but you have to, it does, it, you know, if he says 24 hours. I'm actually thinking more along the lines of selling a house. Give him 24 hours. I mean, it's going to take that long to get the papers together. When I bought my house, it was, yeah, it's going to take three days to get the paperwork together. 
Yes, but this is thick, not real world. (laughs) (laughs) And literally an inch thick worth of paper that I had to sign through. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, I'm surprised it took... Yes, but it's going to take less long than that for them to decide not to. When he says, yeah, we'll put it together and we'll find the paperwork tomorrow. We'll come back and sign it tomorrow. It makes sense. It's just they're not going to do it. In any fixed situation, you know they're not going to do it because they've got that day to rethink things. And So they go out to see the property for the last time. Yeah. And I like the way that they said this because they go down to a apparition point down near Gringotts. And then it says they unsqueezed into the West Country landscape. So it didn't say they apparated. I like that. Yeah. They unsqueezed into the West Country landscape behind a copse of trees. So right. I thought that was really neat. And then they and, and I like Harry. I forget how beautiful it is here. And Ginny, the country girl, born and raised, breathed in deeply. That's because you never come during spring or summer, always Halloween and Christmas, and just then to see your parents. And now he's feeling guilty because how can he sell this house? These are his parents' house. It's going to be hard for him to, to do this. Yeah. How can he sell it? This, this is the house of his ancestors, as it were. Now, there's a rose garden that is supposed to be the most romantic place in Britain. Ever. And I like that as he's heading that way, he starts thinking. And he's thinking about Lily's getting married. Their youngest, their last. Albus had been to his own great pride the first. And in spite of Ginny's worries that Al had been far too young to be married, (laughs) he'd been a year older than Harry and Ginny had. He seemed genuinely ecstatically happy. Young Cece seemed even now thoroughly smitten with him. Merlin, soon enough, the two would probably make him and Ginny grandparents. Yeah, There was a thought. And then he goes on to think about James. Yeah. James and Scorpius. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. James, well, Harry still couldn't say that he understood. Uh, he didn't even know whether it was the fact that Scorpius no, was a no, man or that he was a no. Malfoy that made him uncomfortable. Bad. I, I thought that was great. Well, it, it helps all those people who want to write um, Harry Draco Slash. Now they just need to change yeah. the names and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I think his probably hates this guy. Oh, boy. And then Scorpius was a huge lifelong Harpies fan, which made him all but family anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Lysander is Luna and Rolf's son. So right there, and go ahead, Dan, I'm going to have you do it because you say it so well. Say, say the name all together so that it rhymes so nicely. Lysander Scamander. <laughs> that name? <laughs> and we have Scott now with us. Hi, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi. <laughs> and he can hear us, too. Yay! Hooray! So we've just apparated to Godric's Hollow, and they're walking to the garden. We've reminisced about all the marriages and relationships, including, I'm going to have to say it again, Lysander Scamander. Yay! Which just seems cruel. Why would you name your child that? Yes, it's Luna. It's the same people who name their child... I, I, I went to school with a guy who's named Alan... Alan, Alan. Okay, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Spelled that's three different wrong. ways. A-L-A-N-A-L-L-A-N-A-L-L-E-N. We used to call them AAA. So we have the caterers, the florists, the band. I mean, we're still looking two weeks away. and Or two weeks, two months away. And, you know... It... Duct taped Kayla says, Harry's just a little obsessed still. A little? <laughs> Um, who's paying for all of it? Harry. Harry. Can he afford it right now? No. No. <laughs> who's going to be obsessed? Harry. Yeah. 
Hello. <laughs> I just wonder why he's more obsessed, honestly. Is it the marriage thing or the, ki- or the um, money thing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Harry has that sort of taking over things thing. As soon as he gets involved, he takes over. It's just part of who Harry is. Yeah. Is it any surprise that this applies to his daughter's wedding? <laughs> so they're at the house. And the f- sign comes up and it says on this spot on the night of 31st, October 1981. And uh, it looks like the whole house is covered with ivy and flowers. You couldn't tell that anyone had lived there, if I remember the phrase <laughs> rightly. <laughs> well, you have to think of how long it's been here, you know. But they've had the gardener in. Well, not really. They had somebody that was kind of watching the place, but he wasn't doing a lot. Although to me... You know, they have magic. You'd think that there'd be a way to keep it up a little bit. But I yeah, think I was, that I part of the the whole ambiance of the place is that it's wild. Yeah. And let's see, Lily is, if my math is correct, 1981 would have been something like 47 years before. Wow. Because Lily is 21 years old, and she was 9 or 10 in the epilogue, which was in, what, 2017? Something like that. You know, so we're coming up on 50 years. So to have the building covered with ivy, not surprised. Not at all. And we find out here that there's another 30 acres. Now, when I was listening to this, my thought was keep the house and just sell off the acreage. Yeah. But they came up with a better idea. Yes. So they've, they're going to go through to the, they're looking at the house. But you can't see the house anymore. Right. You can see there's little bits and pieces sticking out here and there, but... It's, it's all hidden, yeah. which is nice, actually. So now they're, they're going to go around the house to see the garden, and um, <laughs> they don't get very far. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, <laughs> they don't get very far to begin with. Yes, they do. They just get distracted and then go further. Well, that's because somebody was complaining that we had to, we've got to see this this they, time. They get further than they did last time, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, Ginny giggled. That's what happened to us before. I want to see the rose garden. Tickling him so he broke his grasp, she ran down the shallow incline, laughing as she went. Harry gave a roar and charged after her. Not an easy feat, with all those weeds to fight through. Really, she was much shorter than he was. Shouldn't it have been even harder for her? Instead, she flitted just beyond his grasp, like a bloody snitch. Let's see. Yeah, they must be in their late 40s, early 50s now. Yeah. Surprisingly, um... Youthful, really. So he catches her and starts snogging her again. And I love that one of his hands found its way inside of her sensible journalist robes and was pulling the tail of her blouse from her sensible journalist skirt. And she hisses fence, and he has no idea what she's talking about. Yes, well, then he realizes, oh, yes, fence. Hmm. Yes. No, he's concentrating on her. He's not concentrating on anything else. <laughs> exactly. He's he's very much concentrating on her and her clothes and how he can change that to just being her. The transition from her and her clothes to her. So yeah. he comes through. I really like this tie-in here to the Fountain of Fair Fortune. Yes. And the Fountain of Fair Fortune is one of the tales of Beetle the Bard. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, it's actually, if if anybody has copies of this, it's... The second story, and it talks about high on the hill and in the enchanted garden, enclosed by tall walls and protected by strong magic, flowed the fountain of fair fortune. Once a year, between the hours of sunrise and sunset on the longest day, a single unfortunate was given the chance to fight their way to the fountain 
bathe in its waters and receive fair fortune forevermore. Mm-hmm. Either it was based on this fountain or they have since built this garden on the after the pattern in that story, one or the other. But it is it goes back to the Peverells, so it would make a certain amount of sense. And then it goes the story goes on and talks about who got to the fort to the uh, fountain. And the fountain here they get into the garden <laughs> although they're still rather distracted. Um and they get into the garden, and here is this fountain. And they think that maybe the, the, the story of Beetle the Bard, that Beetle the Bard wrote, possibly oh, was... the fountain was based on it. ...inspired by this fountain in this enchanted garden. But you have to think about it, because Beetle the Bard has written about the Peverells and the Deathly Hallows. So, I don't know. Well, that just tells you they're linked. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you which way they're linked. Right. But it will. <laughs> right. Well... Well, not really. Take the leap. <laughs> it, like the tales of Beetle the Bard, leads you to draw your own conclusion. And so they've come into the garden. Well, they're trying to get in. And Harry says, I think, Harry said, looking at the fountain, for which all that it was obviously very old, with bright white, I think that either you created this because of the story, the Peverells, the Potters, whoever, or maybe Beetle based the story on this, like the cloak. Mm-hmm. And they start to walk around and... They're noticing that it's not all, they aren't roses. Yeah. They're various different flowers. Yes, each every clump a, of flowers they come to. Each one for a different marriage, which is quite sweet. Every one they come to has, it's an ancestor. And the first one they find is, with these flowers, Lilum Stargazer, James Charles Potter, was wed to Lilia's Elizabeth Evans. And he's just shocked. Lord. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure just, you know, goose pimples and, you know, just, I know I got it reading it. Yeah, me too. So (laughs) just so much so to, you know, to come to that place. It must have just touched him so much. Mm -hmm. Even now, he's still learning more about his family. Yeah. And this is something that I guess no one knew, no one alive knew about. Mm -hmm. Right. You'd You'd think someone would have told him when he married Ginny. If anyone had done. Nobody knew. Nobody was left alive to tell them. That's what I mean. Because this was a Potter family thing. Right. And all of them were dead. And Sirius and Remus, who both would have known, are both gone. Or this was a Potter and whichever families preceded Potters. Yeah. Right. It, it didn't start with the Potters. The Potters married It in. started way before the Potters. As they, right. as they go around this fountain, they keep getting to more clumps that are more marriages, and they go further and further back in his history, and it stretches into where the Potters married a Wright girl, and then, as in Bowman Wright, who supposedly, oh, I can't remember what he's famous wizard for, something he invented, and then back from there, one of them had married a female Peverell, and it goes, stretches all the way back to Ignatius, the one who had the cloak. They couldn't really get in. It was an impenetrable wall. Yes, until he said open, basically. I mean, it could be worse. It could be open sesame, but still, it's let us in. Let us in. Of course, it's just let us in, which is yeah very simple. I thought it was a nice touch having the flowers as lupins in the um, area around the garden and the house, because it's just this nice reference back to, obviously, Remus. Right. Which is it's just a sweet touch, almost. And also gives Harry another opportunity to get distracted and go on to the 
wedding planning again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's just this night linking everything back together again and bringing, bringing him back round to the past as well. And as he's going along there, I think it's passing his great-grandparents, he wonders whether Dumbledore would have been living in Godric's Hollow and whether he came to the wedding. And yes. Things like that. He thinks it was when Dumbledore was living there, so did he come to my great-grandparents' wedding? Which is an odd thought, <laughs> honestly. Did your head teacher come to the wedding of your great-grandparents more than a century before? I can see that happening. Absolutely, with Dumbledore. <laughs> and apparently they've married into Weasleys and Pruitts before, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, it's always really interesting. Remember, how many pure-blood families are there in the wizarding world? Oh, absolutely. Not very it's, it's a bit like aristocracy. There are, there are about 12 families, so if you want to marry aristocracy, you've not got many options. Your best option is to marry a third cousin instead of, you know, second or first. Yeah, second cousin, yeah. So. Then the deformities won't be quite so bad. Well, actually, second cousins were fine. Second cousins have enough of a, of a space between, um, you know, there's enough of a diversity there. My grandparents were second cousins on my, on my dad's side. Okay. Yeah. That at least answers the difficult question I was about to ask. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harry sits on the lush grass, stunned, and Ginny curls in his lap and peers at him. Did you know, he asked, and she shook her head. Mom had always talked about this place, about how it was magical. He nodded. I can't wait to show this to her. She'll be in heaven. And Neville... And, oh, I can just see Neville there. <laughs> Neville would just be yeah. tickled. And Luna... Neville would love it. Luna, too, because it's a magical place, and I think that it would be... Neville would adore the old flowers. He'd be awed. Just, ooh, flower, ooh, flower. Oh, yeah. 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 And the reason it's a rose garden is because the first one was Ignatius Peveril and Rose Black, and her roses have sort of spread all over the place now. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they have a thing for marrying women (laughs) with flower names. You think? (laughs) They do, apparently. Though Ginny... It even works with this one, because um, he went and researched this. Apparently, Ginevra came from a name for a juniper bush. So, they could plant juniper. Do you, do you know who Bowman Wright is? Anybody? I can't remember. No. Bowman Wright is the... famous wizard guy, but... Bowman Wright is the person who invented the golden snitch. That's... That works really well. It does. That's perfect. <laughs> Seeing as he just compared Ginny to one mm-hmm. five paragraphs yeah. ago. Yes. But less golden and more bloody in this case, but still. Yeah, it was yeah, well. it was he was the first person to to create the golden ball instead of using the bird, which is what Yeah, because they were using the poor birds. And he was the first one to develop the uh the winged ball for the golden snake. That's in Quidditch through the ages, actually. <laughs> and they got it on anyway. <laughs> As you say, Dan. <laughs> First, they decide that they're going to change the wedding venue. No, that's, that's right afterwards. No, they, yeah, the fir- First, they get it on, and then oh, they, they decide. Do. <laughs> okay. I like their little conversation there. First, they get it on and get it oh, off, right. and then they change the wedding venue. Ginny's like, so, still want to sell the place? No. No. So, still think we should have the wedding at Stonehead? St- still want no. to have the wedding at no. <laughs> Stonehead? Can I have another girl? Yes. 
Oh, do I need to answer that question? Oh, my. And the last line. What did I do, he asked breathlessly, to deserve such fortune? It brings it around because at the beginning, he is thinking of fortune as being money. And, you know, he used to have such a fortune. He's supposed to be the guy who has that much to spend on the people he wants to spend it on. Yeah. And now he's moved to the other definition by the end of the story. But it's also bringing it back to the fountain of fair fortune, I think. Well, you also mm-hmm. have to think about it mm-hmm. like this. Fortune is the French word for luck. Mm-hmm. That's the basis. It's also the English word for luck. Wow. Well, we stole it because of the Normans. Right. Yeah, we do that. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed this. This was a very nice cap to the series. It was. Yeah. It was a really nice cap. This was a nice finisher. It, it tells us what they're all doing in their lives. and It's the same universe 30 years after. So sort of an afterward. From what I understand, the author has a couple more installments to do. Mm-hmm. He's got a few plans. Right, but he hasn't written them yet, so this is the last one that the last one that we're going to cover because there aren't any more that he has posted. Actually, there is one more. Does anybody have any further options about the F-series in, in general? Scott, did you have anything that you wanted to say since you were missing from the first part of this? Um... Hmm. I had a comment I was going to say a little bit ago, but I forget what it was now, because I I read through the comments on this entry when I read it, and some somebody else brought something up that I thought was interesting. Well, one thing is that the um, when they're first coming into the garden, he while he's being distracted and then realizes, oh right, we're going to the garden. Um, it's the smell of the flowers that brings that back to mind, and the first thing he thinks is it's the same smell as Ginny's smell that he always got with the mm-hmm. Amartentia. Right. So that's an interesting thing. Baby Harry has some connections of good things with this garden or whatever. You never know. You have to wonder if James had the same because he's a potter. And you have to wonder then, you could also wonder if Albus and Lily may have the same reaction to the garden as well because they're potters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> we could always ask the author to write a story about it. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> the question is whether he stories on demand. Well, you know, it would be interesting to see if he would do um, a Next Generation stories. All of these have been about Harry and Ginny. Harry Potter, the Next Generation. Doesn't quite sound right somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just did PN cast the Next Generation, so. We could. True. I guess that's, yeah. There's, there's certain things I'm actually scrolling through the comments. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things. Somebody brought up the point on. that um, as they were going from their place in London out to Godric's Hollow, you can sort of feel them getting more relaxed and open, and they shed some of the restrictive clothes and various other things like that as they're going. It's sort of a reflection of the well, yeah, it's um, emotional. You're very state of you're mind very in the two places. Laced and and mm-hmm. proper. In London, and as you get further, that's very head-centered. And then as you get out to Godric's Hollow and they go through, the, it's you know becoming more heart-centered, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. And there's a couple other, there's some quotes in here that we didn't mention. One is, he took Ginny's hand and <laughs> kissed it, and Harry remembered for a flash why he had disliked and Roger, Roger and when they Lisa were young. Turpin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was nice. Yes, they are a call-out to a story by St. Margaret's, apparently. 
because of the kind of fic he was writing, he felt it was good to sort of put a homage in there to that because she writes them as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other line that I liked that we kind of skipped over was spring wildflowers that Aunt Petunia would never have allowed in her garden, but that Jenny had taught him to recognize back in the days when they had gone hiking and snogging on the moors after her quicker quidditch matches. So these are flowers that would never have been in the more formal gardens, but that are growing wild around the house. Yeah, maybe some of them are herbs. Which works really well for Harry, really, because he's he's never been... Anal? He, he grew up with <laughs> Aunt Petunia, who was completely regimented, and everything had to be just so, and you spent three times as much time keeping it all clean as you ever spent in it. But then... This garden, everything is growing as it will. and the- Which is why you get people who, would you rather live in a house that was comfortable or one that was a show place? <laughs> right. You want to well, live in something that's lived in, house. that looks lived in, and yeah. not, you know, afraid to touch anything because you might get fingerprints on it. The only way you can ever manage that and actually live in it is, well... If you are just have a small area to be um, responsible for and you're the only one messing it up, you might be able to manage some of that. Otherwise, you're going to need like housekeepers and maids and such to do some of that because if you don't and you're trying for that, you spend all your time cleaning it and you never get to enjoy what you've just done. So you think a house elf would be a boon to someone like Petunia? Yes. Well, she was in heaven because she gets one in this. <laughs> Was it Fee Sark? <laughs> yeah, it was on Fee Sark or, or Siren Farm. I mean, she was in alt because she had a, a house elf. I was going to say that was actually in the. <laughs> that was in one of the earlier chapters two times ago. But she also changed, and you know, Absolutely. she was out doing the gardening as well, and she, mm-hmm. and things like that. So she grew as a character too, even though yeah. she had the house elf, and I know that she was ecstatic to have a house elf. I don't think she would have taken well to Dobby when she showed up in canon, because at that point she wasn't open enough even as she got near the end of DH. So, No, because Dobby would have protected Harry, and she wouldn't have put up with that. I think that may be as much about Dobby as anything else, though, to be honest. Well, true. He's a little disconcerting <laughs> to anyone. As much as anything about magic, I, ju- I just don't think she would have got on with Dobby. Canon Dursleys never do anything too physically violent to Harry. They certainly do no worse than Dobby does. Yeah, she might have actually been okay with that if Dobby had moved in with Harry in book three or whatever, and he was going to do all of Harry's cooking and cleaning and Petunia could safely ignore Harry entirely, she would have been fine. because She would have been very happy with it, in fact. Because the thing that Canon Dursleys just find Harry very inconvenient and they would rather not ever have to think about him. So if someone did come in and take him off and do everything for him and they didn't have to do anything about it, they might have gone on with it fairly well. That's true. It's hard to say because I can certainly see the Dursleys working where they want Harry to be more downtrodden than that and they would prefer him to be under their thumb and under their eye and such. I think so. But I can also see them being relieved to simply be rid of him. (laughs) That's true. I guess that's what Fick is for. We're going to be moving on now to the next one, 
which is called Fireworks, the final story in the Edwards series. It's number eight on the Live Journal, but it's actually number nine because both Fortune, which we just did, and Folly, which we did the second part of last week, were numbered seven. So he missed that somewhere. Oh well. But this is, again, like Fortune, about 30 years past the end of DH. Well, 11 years past the epilogue. And the summary is Harry sat there waiting for the fireworks. Yay! I liked the end of this. It was very cute. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's very nicely done. It brings fireworks in all sorts of different ways. Yes. It was written for another challenge. This one was at Catch My Snitch. I guess the July or June challenge, something like that, was the prompt fireworks. And he figured out how he could use that to wrap up the end of his series. Which he did very well. Yep. So we open up and Ron is pacing around the garden. And Harry is just sitting there, and Ron is berating him because he can't believe he's just sitting there like it's any other bloody Saturday. We're waiting for Quidditch match to come on the wireless. This is a huge change, but it's not. (laughs) And it's set up so that you believe at first that Harry is getting married. Yes. Because, yes. um, oh, Harry says, oh, you and Hermione got on well enough. Ron says, oh, like, we had any choice, um, she'd have everything arranged, and you're supposed to think it's Hermione with that. Right, because Ron and is then, the one who's facing around, like he's mm-hmm. nervous. And Ron says, this is a wedding, of course there's stuff to worry about. And then Luna comes running into the garden, and Harry's heart-filled, and she looks spectacular, and she wonders if it's bad luck to see him before the wedding, and you're going, wait, what, didn't work Harry and Ginny together? <laughs> but... I know, I was being so confused there. I was like, what? What's going on? Yeah, well, Can only Luna something? only Luna would say, oh, we're getting married, and it's like, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I'm getting even more confused, because Ron's more nervous than Harry's. And it yeah. turns out that it's Luna and Rolf's son, Lysander, is marrying Lily Potter. Which is even more funny, I think. Oh. So she's joining the family. Right. And there's a nice moment there. This, um, Luna says, I really am glad our families are getting married, Ron. My family has always been so small, you see. I've always wanted to be part of yours. And Harry says, Luna, you've always been part of our family. Aww. Yeah. And then that breaks the moment. Now, let's go get our kids hitched. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you imagine what um, the grandchildren would look like? They're going to be the most spaced out looking redhead. Oh, I don't know. I think Lysander's probably got He's got Luna and Rolf in him, but... It's a generation. Yeah, but you also have to remember, <laughs> Lily Luna, she is a force of nature. Yeah. yeah she is. You know? She reminds him a lot of Ginny at that age. Yes. Incredible stubbornness. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then fear- he does get, it, it, he he does he get he nervous. He talks right, yes, a- right at the end mm-hmm. of it, he does. From Ginny's yes. childhood, chin out, mouth small, brows bowed. And then he's like, you don't have to do this if you're feeling nervous. <laughs> and he's the one who's nervous. <laughs> Love it. And she says, you just try and stop me. Yeah. <laughs> I know better than that. I find it kind of odd that Fred and Cho got married, though. Or did we already no, know that? No, that's not Cho. Just- that's, that's, that's not Cho. Choi. It's Choi. Okay. Hmm. I wondered if that was a typo or not. No, it's, I don't, well, and young Fred. 
Young Fred. This is George's oh. aunt. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it could be then. It could be Cho, because Cho got married to someone else and had a daughter. Okay. And then Fred the second. <laughs> so we they have... are the flower girl and boy. No. Yeah. They're little. Yep. And Lysander looks like he's going to fall over. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. And Rolf has his face buried in Luna's neck. Mm-hmm. Which I think is funny. Scorpius it's- has an expression of wonder that made him look more like a love good than a Malfoy, which yeah, is yeah. nice. A neat turn of phrase. I kind of like that. Yeah. I like the part too where Harry felt the pyrotechnics in his middle spread through his body. So there's another reference to the fireworks there, which is I really like this description of Ginny, and there weeping combustibly in the front row is Ginny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that all ties all in. Fire metaphors. Yes. Right. I thought that was great. It skips the actual ceremony. Right. Well, I guess we just saw the beginning of it as they were going down the aisle. And then they gather back around the fountain in the garden at the back. And they have mats to kneel on and really nice silver trowels to plant their flowers with. Because they're right. continuing the tradition and having a flower for each generation getting married. Oh, and Neville spread it for them. I thought that was great. That was awesome. And it's mm-hmm. called Fireworks. Oh, it's called fireworks the Fireworks Lily. Lily. Yeah. Fireworks Lily. Because each petal flash sparks of red and purple that seem to explode to fade and rise again. Yeah. yeah. Really nice. neat. It's the I, 19th of June, 2029, apparently. Yes. And and notice what Lysander's middle name is. Xenophilius. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the it's kind of funny because if you look at it, it's it. Xenophilius and Luna. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. Oh, that is good. That's cute. Oh, I yeah. I had almost because it's been so long since I guess we had done the one that had come before this. I was completely lost for a while until I really yeah until it really started kicking into my brain again. I'm like okay. Yes, I've been trying to go along as if we really were just doing that. And, <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, so yesterday I forgot everything <laughs> last week. Yeah. So we have these two, and they have the wedding ceremony is complete. And I looked at this next one, and Harry and Ginny are saying, you know, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Not much for yeah. us to do. And he looks down at a plaque at his feet, and it says, with this plant... Genereva Lungbottomi. In this place, on this day, 1st June 2029, Harry James Potter repled his troth to Genereva Molly Weasley Potter. So, 18 days before, they did a, what do they call those? They call that a, a, uh, uh, yes, a renewing vows. The the renewing of vows. And notice the name of the plant. Thank you, Neville. (laughs) Genereva Lungbottomi. The author said that was, um, he'd already had the little bit for the Harry Luna shippers, so now he has a bit for the Neville Ginny shippers. Because Neville Luna, or Neville Ginny shippers. Sure, there's Neville Ginny. They went to the Yule Ball together. Neville Ginny, oh yeah, I guess. I don't know, I just, yeah. A lot of them were from that, like, after the fourth book. I mean, if it's Neville from, like, those pictures of... Uh, Dumbledore's army and. Mm-hmm. Oh, we lost her. Hold on. Neville oh, the commander. Oh, Don't lose your thought. Well, I like the next line. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Kayla, 
Yes. Okay. Neville looked anything like from Dumbledore's army and the yeah, year of darkness. I'm not, yeah. Cause I was looking through those today cause I was curious. Uh, and then I could definitely see it cause Neville's really hot in them. Yes. <laughs> I would do Neville. I like the next line. Grinning, she kissed him again on the lips this time. Well, we could always start over again, you know. <laughs> he grinned in spite of himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. I guess they are wizards. That's true. Yeah. But there's always grandchildren. And then he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's like I'm not ready for any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can be ready, but, well, I mean, it's easier. I mean, you just give them back when you're done with them. There you go. You do not be ready. You don't have to do any of the work. But then I guess it's like an age thing. I get, I think I'd have a panic attack if I ever get to the age of, or the point in my life where I ever have grandchildren. <laughs> so. Ah, you'll be thrilled. Uh, I'll have a panic attack. Like, oh, my God, I'm old. No, that would be yeah. me. <laughs> or me, since I'm older than all of you. Yeah. You're older than dirt. Wait a minute. I am Aww. older than dirt. It's very sad. Only some dirt. Depends on which dirt. <laughs> Only some dirt. <laughs> but isn't all the dirt? Because it's original dirt. Ginny says, Come on, Harry, enjoy it. This is what we fought for. This is what they fought for. And he has simultaneous, I can't say that, sensations of weight and weightlessness swirl through him as he looks up. And there's Teddy, hair a bright turquoise, holding a squealing lily in the air, while her brothers, and is it Lorkin? How yeah. would you say that? Who the heck is Lorkin? Lorkin uh, is Lysander's wait. twin. Yes. Oh, okay. Take turns pounding the grinning groom on the back. George was laughing, talking with an absolutely unstrung Rolf, <laughs> while Angie hugged Fred and Troy and little Mary, Rose and her husband, Weasleys and Potters, Scamanders and Malfoys and Luna, her black robes. And I love that Luna's wearing black to the wedding. Yeah. So she mm. wore white she to wore, the funerals. Yeah. She wore yellow to the, the wedding Fleur's between wedding. Bill and Floor. Right. Right. And now she's worn black to this. Yeah. And and what she's doing now is she's going through and she's talking to all of Harry's flowers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which Luna would do. You could see that. Yeah. She's talking to his ancestors. Yes. I think that's so sweet. Welcoming them into her family. <laughs> yeah. And that's just really neat. She's so excited to have a large family now. And yeah. now it's even larger. Now we have a giant family. Yeah. Mm. That's just one in Weasleys with all their children and... Um, the yeah. Potters and all their ancestors. Yeah. That'd be a good mm-hmm. family, though. And I love that the Malfoys are thrown in, too. Well, I wanted to with one of... Yeah. Who is he with again? Rose. Rose Scorpius. Rose and Scorpius oh, married. Right, right, right. Yep. And so that was mentioned earlier. I thought it was interesting that Scorpius was crying at the wedding. That was sweet. And then the last line. Yeah, he said as he kissed her back. This is what we fought for. This is what life is. Come on. We don't want to miss all the fireworks. And so... Yep. You know that there's going to be fireworks in the sky, but there's also going to be fireworks because this is a big family. and There's always going to be fireworks in a sure. big family. <laughs> <laughs> there's Weasleys anywhere. And several of them are directly related to Fred and George. That's right. Some of them are <laughs> Fred and George. <laughs> or at least George. <laughs> yeah. So. That'd make 
for great family dinners and stuff. I think. Oh my! Never know what to eat. Gosh. Oh, and Christmas. Yeah, I can see them turning someone into a uh, I, I walking see- Christmas tree. But I think it'd be great to have such a good support system, like so many people to go to and talk to and to learn from. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that. there's enough different kinds of people in there. You'll find somebody you can get along with. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I really like the fact that the wizarding world has had a problem with the purebloods marrying other purebloods. And now look at this group. I mean, we've mm-hmm. gone from the Weasleys to the Weasleys and the Potters and the Scamanders and the Malfoys. And I mean, it's just like, talk about one big happy Weasley family. Holy cow. <laughs> like, yeah. The whole town, you know. I really liked this series. I I just finished editing the first one we did. And Cody, I don't have Cody's file, so I don't know for sure what she said. But I answer her as though she said, why did you pick this? And are we doing all of them? And I'm so glad that we did, because it really yeah. was a fun series. Well, and I hope everybody who's listening to Peoncast, who's still listening to Peoncast, has enjoyed it as <laughs> well. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not like the... Because we've had a lot of fun with these. These have been a fun series to do. They've been really fun. You still want to hear one more of about favorites. these characters. Like, we you do. want to know what Scorpius is like, because we don't have anything that tells us that. There mm-hmm. all the various yeah, more details of everyone. Like you know, we may get that with the Scottish book, but probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. Gives us more she scope of fanfiction, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, That's Kayla, it. what'd you say? She said she has a lot of time. <laughs> we haven't even heard any announcement yet on anything. Well, I, I mean, you know, I think she actually took a break. I mean, She's only been writing for, what, 11 years? (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, there's no way she could be at a standstill. I'm sure she'd be going, like, she hasn't completely stopped writing. She'd be going stir-crazy. Well, it's been, like, two years. Yeah, can you believe it? It's been two years and, what, three months, two months since Deathly Hallows came out? Yeah. It's amazing. By the yeah. time this comes out, it'll have been probably three years since yeah. Deathly You might have seen all the movies by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, it's supposed to be 30 years after the end of Deathly Hallows, and it's 20 years from now. Yeah. So, Deathly yeah. Hallows has been over for 10 years. Yes. Wow. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Actually, I think Deathly Hallows was 1998. So when he yeah. says this is about 30 years, it's actually 31 years because the that was in 1998 and this is 2009, which would make Teddy 11. But, uh, yes, I had fun with this series I, and I'm looking forward to, I don't even have any idea what we're going to record next. <laughs> what are we doing next? Anybody know? Actually, we've decided to do The Fountain of Fair Fortune by J.K. Rowling. So tune in next time for that one. So, well, I yeah. think we can wrap this. I hope everybody's enjoyed the series. I'm kind of sad because, I mean... Well, well, then we get to have fun listening again. That's right. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs>